folks. It's good to be on with you. Today we have a special guest with us, my brother here, Matthew Sapala, a former Marine who is now the Chief Distribution uh -oh. Officer uh -oh. PHP Agency, uh -oh. which is obviously around. no pressure, but I'm excited to have you <laughs> here on the podcast. Honored to be here, PBD. Thank we you. We got our me. buddy here, Adam Sosnick, back. Fellas, we have a lot to oh. cover today. Uh, obviously, what makes it special about today's podcast, today's yes. on 9-11, mm -hmm. which we'll spend some time talking about that here in a minute. Yeah, sure on uh, where uh, all of us were at on 9-11. Sure. I'd be curious to know this. Obviously, we know where many, uh, where we know where you? Kai was at. We know yeah. where Sam was at. You know, they these were guys fetuses. were in. Uh, <laughs> fetuses, 9-11-01? No, not yet. You were three years old. But uh, some of them possibly fetuses. So let me, let me share with you what we've got to cover with you here today. Uh, if you're watching this, uh, press the thumbs up if you're here with us. Uh, share the uh, podcast uh, um, uh, uh, if you're on with us here. We got a lot of topics. One of them is uh, a documentary I just recently watched that I want to share with you, which accidentally one of my friends, Robert, ends up sending this to me in the middle of the night, and I'm looking at this, and we just talked about this on the podcast. He says, it's crazy because I didn't even watch the podcast today, and it was talked about. That's what's crazy about the timing of this documentary he sent, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, 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 some updates about Goldman Sachs, but what they're predicting with the GDP, I think it's important for most of us to want to know this. The, 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 the merger that was supposed to take place between Tiffany's and Louis Vuitton is not looking too good. Amazon hires an interesting ex-NSA spy <laughs> chief to work with them. Netflix culture, because of Reed Hastings' name coming up a lot lately. Twitter is trying to sublease their space in San Francisco. So Twitter Jack Dorsey... And Netflix, Reed Hastings have complete opposite philosophies on work environment. We'll talk about that. And then Citigroup hires their new uh, latest female board challenge. U.S. firms add a black director to board within 12 months. You even saw Kanye West today messaging saying, I, I'm not on the board seat of Adidas and I'm not on the board seat of Gap. And I wonder, how is Kanye West not on the board seat of Adidas? That's a very valid point on why you wouldn't put the guy selling yeah. those shoes. You probably yeah. want to have Easy. his uh, perspective there. Then some things with TikTok. Then you got uh, Germany putting pressure on Russia. Hacking taking place in an election with Russia, China, and Iran. And then uh, rental properties in Manhattan, which uh, are tough to find, are easy to find mm. right now for, for a specific reason. But yeah. let's first talk about 9-11. Let's get right into 9-11. So... Uh, if you're listening to this, I'm curious, where were you on 9-11? But more curious about you guys. Matt, where were you on 9-11? I was in a uniform. I, was, uh, I just uh, got out of the Marine Corps, and I, uh, I enlisted with the Illinois National Guard. So I was a crew chief on a Blackhawk, and I was on my way to the base. I just dropped off my son at school. I think Ruben was uh, in uh, fourth or fifth grade. Just dropped, him off, just dropped him off at school, and they called me. Hey, so Paul, hurry up and get in here. What's going on? Uh, somebody flew a plane into the uh, Twin Towers. Why would, why would somebody fly a Cessna that was a pilot lost? That's what I was thinking. I thought it was a small... Wow. Right? That was a Cessna, huh? Yeah, I, was like, I thought it was a Cessna. I thought it was a pilot that pilot airy got lost, and maybe it was cloudy that day, and boom, Twin Towers. So I, I, I get into the radio room. We're all, we're all there because we're all kind of looking at the TV, looking all weird at the TV, like, okay, a lot of smoke is coming out the buildings. Yeah. I, I said, that just can't be a Cessna. I mean, what is the smoke? And next thing you know, boom, the oh. second aircraft. I'm like, what, what are we watching here, guys? Is this, uh, is this Die Hard? Are you guys watching Die Hard? Huh. I thought it was the You're really having this movie. Yeah. yeah. And everybody was just looking at the TV in shock. Our mouths are starting to drop. Quiet. Quiet. Guys, we're being freaking attacked. 
Holy shit. So we're, we're, you know, we're gearing up. Yep. And uh, we're already in uniform, ready, ready to do a training mission. I said, this is about to go from a training mission to a, either a rescue or a, a counterattack mission. And we're about to fly. We're from Chicago. So we're about to fly. We're about to fly to New York. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so, right, as soon as that, as soon as that happened, they, uh, they grounded all the aircraft, non-essential, uh, or, or, or FAA grounded everybody. Everybody was pissed. Couple of day, a couple of days later, day later, the, the New York National Guard was in our area. They were, they were with us at the Midway Airport. And uh, they were calling home. They couldn't get a hold of anybody. The cell towers are down. It was just, it was just an odd scenario. But uh, that, was, that was the day. And then right after, right after we saw that on TV, I, I went to the school. I said, listen, uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so I picked up my kids. The teachers came out crying. Is there something going to happen at the school? Is there something going to happen? I said, I'm just picking up my son. I'm just picking up my son. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back home. So therefore, I can... I could deploy if, if I need to, but uh, it's a wow. very it's a very eerie day. For what me. a day yeah. for you! And just yeah. to, just so people understand who Matt is, yeah. you had already been in Desert Storm in the yeah. early nineties, yeah. right? I, I, I mean, con- talk about that a little bit because this is almost a decade later, and now you might have to go back again. That was and that was the biggest thing that we were talking about. I said if we just took care of business the first time we were there, damn, so it would never happen. It would never happen. Yeah. That's the, the first thing that's we were what saying. you were thinking. That's what we were thinking. If we so just what do you mean? What do you mean take care of business? Because we we're there. Was a four day, five day war. In Desert Storm, in Desert so our, Storm. for our younger audience out yeah. there, this happened yeah. in 91. Yep, and it happened this in under, under the first President Bush. Yep. yep. Desert Storm, Saddam Hussein, Schwarzkopf, yep. Schwarzkopf. Schwarzkopf yeah. yeah. And so that's what we're saying. If, if we were just taking care of it. But then again, we don't know. We're, we're armchair quarterbacking this whole thing. I didn't know right, how, right, how right. deep it was. But, you know, we got in and got out. And, uh, you know, and uh, to see this happening again, the reason, and here's what we're saying as young men. We want to fight these wars, so therefore our kids don't have to. And here we are, 17, 18 years Still over there. Still freaking fighting these yeah. wars. Yeah, my story is not as heroic as Matt's. I was a... Oh, by far any heroic. Well, I mean, you already, you had already been over there and you had served. I was a senior in college. Um, and, you know, get, getting ready to enter the real world. That was, you know... Well, where were you? That, that's I was 9.30 in, I was in, Tuesday. I, it, it was, I was in my apartment in Tallahassee, Florida, at Florida State University, home of the Seminoles. I was living with... Uh, like a duplex of eight buddies. Yeah. Right. Like I four on one that. side and four on one yeah. one side. Uh, black guy, a French guy, a Colombian guy, a couple Jewish guys. Uh, you know, a white uh, like MAGA type of guy. Uh, we had the most eclectic crew uh, at Florida State, and I just remember um, one of our buddies because this happened at was it eight a.m. Was it a little bit before that? Yeah, I mean, right around then. Yeah, yep. And I remember we were all just kind of getting ready to go to class. Everyone's getting up and showered. I remember just all standing there, all different types of people, diversity, and all just all Americans, and being like, what the actual is happening right now? Yeah. And no one had any clue. We weren't like, oh, it's an attack. It's freaking mm-hmm. uh, a couple of Saudi Arabians. Like, we had no idea. I actually had class at 9 a.m., I'll never forget. And I remember I. Went to school, like having no clue what was happening. I get to class. They said, no, class is canceled. Like, get out of here. And I was like, okay. So I, you take like this, like a campus bus. And I remember sitting on the bus back to my apartment. People of all different age, shapes, sizes are sitting there like. What's going on? What is yeah. going on? Who are you? Who Can yeah. I trust you? Was it loud? Was it quiet? Quiet. You can hear a pin drop yeah. in a bus. Yeah, when yeah, do you ever yeah. hear that? Yeah. 
So scary stuff, and obviously times have completely yeah. changed yeah. since that day. Yeah. But I know you have a crazy story. So with that. I was, uh, uh, it was a day, my second day at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. Nine <laughs> ten wow. was my first day. Get out of here. So it's Monday, 9-11 is uh, Tuesday morning, 6.30. We're at the office. Uh, uh, Dave Kirby holds a meeting, and we're sitting there listening to him. And then one of the brokers from the corner office screams, turn on the monitor, turn on the monitor. We turn on the monitor to see what's going on. And you saw the first plane. And we watched the second plane hit live. And I'm in the ninth floor of the New York Life building today in Glendale. And uh, later on, we ended up having an office in that same exact really? building. Yeah, I'm the same well, exact life op- of an entrepreneur. Exact is, life right. of an entrepreneur building yeah. is where Morgan Stanley was with New York Life. So, <laughs> and I'm looking around. Everybody's looking around the window, looking for planes. First thing you're looking, looking for, for planes because Morgan Stanley's headquarters got hit with 3,600 employees. That's where Morgan Stanley said, and I'm so supposed to go towers, to for tra- yeah. exactly yeah. Twin Towers. So when that happens and the towers come down, I mean it was a it was a mess. They sent us home. Uh, the following day, brokers, the market, uh, they didn't even open up the market. They were so worried what's going to happen. The following day, brokers didn't even want to call their clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to call anybody. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what's even crazy when you think about this? While this whole event takes place, and, you know, uh, oh, oh, it's, it's, you know, who did this? This person did this. It's linked to Osama bin Laden. Here's who yeah. did all these stories that are coming up. And I'm getting involved in the financial industry. I'm 6'4", I'm Middle Eastern, right. I'm hearing all oh, these stories. Yeah. So I'm going out there, it's like, it's constant, uh, uh, you know, where are you from? I'm from Iran, you're right. from Iran. Oh, perfect yes, time I am. to yeah. enter the Exactly, exactly. Right. Perfect, perfect time to scary. get into it. Everybody left the marketplace. Everybody in that office left the industry. It was like the worst time to be a part yeah. of it. But, right. you know, the one thing I will tell you when, you when you see when 9-11 took place, the following. Here's the one thing that we haven't seen this time around. And it's almost as if, a crisis is required to unify the world. Mm-hmm. When 9-11 happened, Sadly. no one in New York looked at you as a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, right. Nobody that. looked at you as black or white totally or Latino. Agree. Everybody yeah. was just going, where are your kids? They're missing. You haven't seen them? Wait, let's yeah. go find them. Hey, yeah, where's yeah, Mary? Where's yeah. your husband? All that. Let's go yeah, firefighters. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I want to go to war. Yeah. I'm willing to reenlist. I'm willing to get into it. Yeah. There was this idea of unification right. versus you think about a crisis that we're going through right now with COVID. It's a divisive it's division we're divided with this crisis versus being united with 9-11 when 9-11 happened america was united states of america when covid happened america was a divided states of america so who was the hero in during 9-11 who was the the beacon of hope freaking giuliani yeah giuliani was the beacon of hope he was and and now he's blast blasphemed as like this uh antichrist on the People forget, man. People forget very quickly what you do for them. People forget until you die in history books. You know, this uh, whole Churchill story, one of the most hated guys there. But when you needed somebody to come in and take care of business for you, you yeah. called Churchill. Yeah. And then years later after the guy's dead, then you really read about who this guy really was. You know, you almost got to wait sometimes for some stories like that for what Rudy Giuliani did to New York. But, that, you know, that's the part where you hope that we experience a similar thing where America mm-hmm. becomes united again today. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just, it's an, it's a different thing. But again, for everybody out there, you know, uh, just go watch a video when you see firefighters showing up and trying to get people out mm-hmm. and you hear how many firefighters got hurt, how many cops got hurt. Yeah. You will mm-hmm. look at cops and firefighters in a different way than the way they're being painted right now the last six months. Yeah. It's a yeah. different ballgame. Those yeah. were heroes. Yep, sure Especially are. First responders. 
how different would 9-11 be if it happened in a, a social media? Of live streaming. I, see, I don't think it has to do with a, in, in a day of social media. I'll tell you in a different way. How different would it have been in a def- divisive media time? That's the difference. Because if it happens today, everybody's pointing fingers. It's, it's, and don't get me wrong, back then it's not like it wasn't divisive. I mean, Fahrenheit 9-11, whose fault was it? Bush's job. He did it. He's sitting there reading a kid book. You know, you got all these other things that was coming well, up. Don't and, forget, it was also the year after the debacle of the 2000 election. Gore, Bush, yes. Bush, Gore, which is it? Florida, the Chads, so the ballots. Th- there was that going on as well. But somehow we came together. Somehow right. we were united. This time around, it's a little bit of a different story. And, Great. you know, you wonder why that is. But, uh, you know, again, for everybody that's watching this, uh, uh, to everybody that served, to everybody that was there, to all the families. I remember reading a People magazine on the cover. It was mothers with uh, uh, children. These are moms whose fathers, uh, husbands worked at the 9-11, at the, wor- uh, the World Trade Center, and the planes hit, and the kids were born after 9-11 oh, wow. to a father that passed away. Right. So you know, there's a lot of emotion Crazy. behind the story of 9-11. But, uh, Question. Before we move yeah. on, because I know we have a lot to talk about, just on behalf of someone who has never served, I'm sitting here with a Marine and Army. Mm-hmm. Um, just respect for you guys for serving for our nation. That's just number one. Number two, as someone who has never served, I mean, I played college football. That's nothing in comparison to what you guys have done. Just number one, salute. Number two, why don't you just talk to the audience about what it's like to serve and what that means for your country? Because I genuinely want to know. I mean, you must have a different perspective when you talk about 9-11, when you talk about our country, when you talk about the flag, what it means to serve. Matt, what would you say? You know, we were talking to uh, General Mattis a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago during our virtual convention. And uh, one of his talks at the Pentagon, his first talk at the Pentagon was on Martin Luther King Day. And he says, we need uh, one thing about the military, it goes back to its fundamental, goes back to core beliefs of the United States in terms of fundamentals of how to get along with other people. You know, in the military, even though we, we would have given uh, Patrick uniform a hard time, black, white, Latino, Asian. I remember this uh, a- African, I was doing an inspection and uh, I was going, I was getting to know my Marines. And I says, what's your name? He says, my name is Moimi Apudapu Salvador. What? <laughs> Moimi Apudapu Salvador. What? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Moimi Apudapu, because he's Salvador. Af- he's African. Right. Salvador. I said, so, where did a Salvador come from? Because you don't look anything like the Salvador. Yeah. You look very African. Yeah. And the way you're sounding, the way your boys, you know, people from Africa, mm-hmm. from the, yes. from Moimi Apudapu. Yes, right? say it right. And so, says, uh, well, 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 Sergeant, I, uh, I uh, wanted to sound like an American, so I picked Salvador. <laughs> Salvador. <clears throat> That's it. That's it. He wanted to speak. He's wanted to sound like an American last name. He picked Salvador. That's an American life. Wow. Not, not Johnson. Not Johnson. Not, not Williams. Yeah. Not Bet David. Wow. So, you know, so the military, we looked Sustin. at one color. We looked wow. at one color. We looked Amazing. at one race. What the do you human th- race, What's the biggest thing that you have taken from the military? Biggest thing I've taken from the military. Well, you know, self, you know, self-sacrifice, I would say. You know, especially on a day we're thinking about self-sacrifice. And that's why you work hard. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for your life and the life of my brothers and my sisters. Then I probably am for myself. Wow, and that's why you, you got you got these guys. They are heroes. I mean, we serve, but the real heroes mm-hmm. are the ones in the towers. The real heroes are like the Pat Tillmans that gave up an NFL career oh, crazy to, to, yeah. to get in, right? To, that they actually gave up their life for this, as General Mattis would call this experiment called America. Uh, by the way, you, 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 when you talk to General Mattis, what some news came out about Mattis yesterday, right? Yeah, because of this whole you know Trump talking about you know the COVID all this stuff, and so the same um, the same author said, oh by the way, I also had some some conversations with with General Mattis mm-hmm. that uh, that North Car- uh, North Carolina, North Korea. 
Uh, they're about to launch the missile crisis, you know, the, the, the nuclear missiles, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and General Mattis is at the ready. You know, you got to figure, General Mattis has been around not only the Marine Corps, the United States military, but around the world galvanizing relationships and building relationships. So he was really worried about, you know, North Korea trying to get some real attention. And this is when? This is just yesterday? Uh, it was just yesterday, but it was stuff that was done in, when he was a uh, Secretary of Defense. 17, right. He was ready for it. He was ready for it. Sleeping, sleeping in 17. Yeah. Sleeping in that was the article came out. The, the, the story came out yesterday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you think about the uh, uh, Mattis. I mean, when uh, Matt did the interview, were you in the room? When yeah, Matt I did. did? It, was, it was, was one of the most ridiculous interviews yeah. I've seen. Uh, profound. Uh, shout out to Matt, you know you for how you did it. That was just oh, yeah. Profound. Just for the record, for our viewers, yeah, Matt, Matt interviewed, just interviewed General, General Mattis. Mattis. Yeah. <laughs> and it was powerful right. to see that taking place with uh, the interview. By the way, General Mattis has some of the most famous lines ever, doesn't oh, he? Oh yeah. Have you have you read some of his lines? Have well, you read? Yeah. Some, give me give me some of the highlights. Pull, pull up some, pull some up quotes. Mattis uh, <laughs> uh, famous Mattis lines, which you you gotta love this guy. Famous General Mattis lines. He's a modern-day Chuck Norris. Yeah, there you go. Just yeah. tap right there. Shout out to Kai for spelling it correctly. Oh, oh. he almost had it. Yeah, he's so, so go right there. I right, go up. Let's see which one comes up. Uh, it's quite fun to shoot them, you know. It's a hell of a hoot. It's, a, it's fun to shoot people. This is what he said in 2005. <laughs> okay. There are some assholes in the world that just need to be shot. Okay, that's too I come in peace. I didn't bring artillery, but I'm pleading with you with tears in my eyes. If you with me... I will kill you all. <laughs> be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. There are some people you think, some people who think you have to hate them in order to shoot them. I don't think you do. <laughs> I mean, th this is this is a pretty wow. edgy guy. Okay, He's intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he chose not to get married and have kids because he married his career. The warrior monk, they called him. Because he dedicated himself to war, 45, 44 Can years. Can we read the last few quotes? Because if you only read the first five, you think this guy's a complete maniac. He actually is a, a brainiac, if you will. Eight and nine. Go ahead, read it, Adam. If you... I get a lot of credit these days for things I never did. You know, that's, so. it's funny that he said that because when I, I thanked him for this interview, yeah. after interviewing, he said, no, I thank you for Marines like you. Yeah. Sarge like you, I built my career on the backbone. that did so a lot of work that made me look good. That's what he said. And the last yeah. one, engage your brain before you engage yeah. your weapon. Yeah. Engage your brain yeah. before you engage your weapon. So yesterday we had a girl come in here to uh, help uh, 15 people get a license to carry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it was so surprising when we sent the email to our employees to see who was going to participate. You had some people that brought their entire family. <laughs> like one of our guys <laughs> brought his mom. You know, hey, we want to get a license to Everybody's carry. Everybody's caring in this and, family. And by the and way, the she was so good. Me. I wouldn't mind bringing her back yeah. to bring her to the podcast because of the way she was telling really? the story. Wow. Oh, she was Im impeccable wow. Wow. on the way she told. The first 30 minutes on the way she expressed, exp explained license to carry on what happened to her, her story of having a license hmm. to carry. You know, while I'm reading some of this stuff and she would talk about engage your brain before engage the weapon. Uh, uh, she had a lot of good things to say. So, can I make a note of it? We may want to bring her up to the podcast. That's so, awesome. all right, so there's General Mattis right there. So, we've covered a lot. You asked about military. For me, yes. military, what it did for me was uh, I went in because I couldn't wait to leave Glendale, California. I was working at a very uh, uh, big four prestigious uh, 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 burger company called Burger King. <laughs> as well as, it's the big four. It's the big four. I was at a big four, though. You have to call it a big four. Burger CEO King is a big four. A former BK, company, uh, yeah, so, big three ice cream so burger company. That's exactly it. So I'm working over there with my friends Devin Baharians and Kogan Alaverdian, and we're working over there. And, uh, uh, you know, I just said I got to figure out what I want to do in my life. One day I'll go to the recruiting station. I joined the Army. 
I go and I go to Fort Jackson, I go to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Hunterfirst Airborne. To me, when I went in, it was GI Bill, you're going to have fun, uniform, get away. Yeah. And then I go on April 15th, and then 4th of July hits. And I'm in South Carolina, Fort Jackson. And 4th of July, the entire time is what? Barbecue, having fun, all this other Hot stuff. Then you go and you celebrate 4th of July in uniform, yeah. on the, you know, in the military unit, you know, mm-hmm. Fort Jackson. And then you watch, you know, colonels in tears. You, you watch, you know, captains in tears. You watch sergeant majors in tears. And you're asking, why are you in tears? Do you realize what it, do you realize yeah. what it took for us of our freedom? And you listen to the same song that everybody's heard before. Man, it got me so emotional. Then we get to our unit, and uh, i never forget this when I got to 101st. They said, there's a movie coming out that has to do about your unit, and you are the first to watch it before the public season. And we're like, okay, cool. What's this movie? So we'll go into the auditorium. Uh, we go into the auditorium, and the movie starts. You know what the movie was? Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Wow. Let me tell you, buddy. We watched Saving Private Ryan with 600 of us. You were at 600 yeah, people yeah, were yeah. ready to go yeah. to battle oh, after watching this movie. Yeah. Big guys in emotions, oh tears, hugging each other. Let's go. Yeah. Nobody yeah. messes with yeah. us. It was intense. 1998? Yeah. What year was 1997 this? is when I got to my. So it's late 97. I would say, yeah. you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan probably came out somewhere late 1997. Yeah. And then you go to the unit. You, you learn what it is to sleep four hours a night. You learn what it is to work your tail off. You learn what it is to. You know, have to go out there in the mud, in the field, sleep, all this other stuff. Uh, it, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life to join Amazing. the military. If somebody's listening to this, you're 18, you're undecided on what you want to do with your yeah. life, military may not be when, a bad option. When you watch that opening scene, he talked about self-sacrifice, yeah. right? And I want to know what your number one takeaway was in general. But when you talk about self-sacrifice, and if you have not seen Saving Private the Ryan, opening scene, that yeah. opening mm, scene yeah. is Jeez, guys legit. ridiculous. Yes. What, I mean, you're, you're about to serve for America. Yeah. You're talking about you have served. Opening scene, you're storming, storming the beaches of Normandy, trying to take down the Nazis. Half the platoon, the platoon was just clipped. Yeah, done. Blown away. Seventy-five percent. Yeah. Tom Hanks can't hear. He's way. Uh, what did that do to you? Yeah, I mean, you think you you think you're tough until you see that you're like, yeah. okay, how are you going to be reacting to that? What kind of yeah. time do you have to be thinking about any of this stuff? Yeah. You know, what yeah. is your reaction mode? Boom. The moment that thing goes down, you okay. you could be done. Your as life soon is as over. The, with. the the boat. Yeah, it's a yeah. very uh, uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's emotional because, you know, yesterday the girl was saying how, you know, uh, uh, I don't know who asked the question. If you're in the car, oh, one of the guys asked the question. He says, uh, my brother was driving and three guys pulled up to him next to him in a car on the freeway and they start shooting up in a paintball. Paintball. Yeah, paintball. Yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, it's still your word. Like a yeah, guy takes yeah, out a gun, they sure. start shooting him up. He says, uh, she, he asked her, is it legal if somebody has a license to carry to take out the gun and shoot the car? She says, first of all, you're not going to hit the car. You're going to miss the car. Okay, you're not going to hit it. Mm-mm. She said, second of all, you can think how you're going to react in those moments. You will never know until you yeah, are yeah. in those moments. Yeah. Mm. What she does for a living is she chases human traffickers. That's what she does wow. for a living. She works with Good. cops, FBI. That's her. what she does for a living. And by the way, I'm a fan. It, it, would you call her a badass, Kai? Would you say she's a qualified badass? <laughs> she's teaching a class. She's got a piece right here. She's fully locked, you know, lock and load. She's ready for it. And, uh, uh, you know, when you ask the question about what you do when you go there, anybody can say, let me tell you, you know, I'm going to do this. You have no idea when you see that. You can't train for that. How do you train for that when you open up? These are 18, 19-year-old kids that have to have a quick reaction to it. I don't know. What are your thoughts when you you see that scene? It's it's funny because you're from L.A., right? So I remember Diaz. Diaz, if you're listening, Platoon 27-3 Equa Company. 
Second Battalion. Come on, baby. Diaz, big gangbanger. Diaz, right? Gangbangers. Like, oh, yeah, Which Diaz? He's a recruit. I was in boot camp with. I was in boot camp a with. Different Diaz. Okay, different Diaz. Because we have a Diaz as well. He's a big guy. He's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a different Diaz. So, uh, so he, he's a big, big thug. And uh, as soon as we got into that gas chamber to practice how you would react in a gas chamber under a C6 uh, gas, CS yeah. gas, uh, riot gas, he was crying like a baby in the corner. Straight up. Straight, right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you never know until See, people are put in those uh, positions. They confront all day long, front all day long. And then people the least, that you least expect to be strong and courageous yeah. in, in the moment, it, it's surprising when that happens. Wow. You, you learn. You learn a lot about people uh, when, when something happens to them. To wrap this up, Pat. Yes. To move on, what was your biggest takeaway from the military? He said self-sacrifice. What was it for I you? just wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the military. To me, the, the camaraderie, you cannot explain. The level of camaraderie. You know, uh, uh, last night we went to have a cigar, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to your spot, Chamberlain's. Chamberlain's okay. Cohen over here. Yeah, Cohen <laughs> very, very soon. So we go to Chamberlain's and we're sitting there having cigars, okay? And uh, I'm no longer, obviously, the CDO of the company. Matt is not the CDO. But when, when I got out of the military and I decided to go into sales, everything I ever did, I wanted to have that element of camaraderie because mm. it's tough yeah. to explain. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at the Netflix culture, one thing about the Netflix culture, you read through it. If you've never read this. Is it culture uh, deck? Uh, yeah, well, we have, we have, we'll, we'll wow. cover this here in a minute. Cool. When you go through a culture that you create, there were people that joined the military that hated the culture. I have a friend of mine that I went to high school with. He went to a completely different unit. He went to Alaska, and he went to Anchorage, uh, uh, Fort Wainwright. I don't know if you know Fort Wainwright in Alaska. Yeah. He hated the military. When he got out, everything he said was bad about the military, right? I have friends who went in the military, couldn't stand it. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. They do this, they do that to you. It was horrible, right? I have friends who have worked at Netflix who said, I hated working at Netflix. I know people who worked at Amazon who hated working at Amazon. I know people that worked at Apple under Steve Jobs' regime, and they couldn't stand working on something like that. But if you go in, if you like that, you know, team, camaraderie, call-out, challenging, pushing, humor, laughter. Teamwork. Teamwork. Yeah. I got your back. Let's. If you like that, yeah. you would love the military. So all of that we brought out to what we did. Every business I've ran, every office I've ever ran, the, the culture of it's been going back to what we had at 326 Engineers at 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. When we served at that unit, we had a unit. We had a group. It was myself, Bradford, Gutierrez. It was a group of us, Klingerman. It was, it was a group of us that you couldn't McElroy. You couldn't separate this group. It was a certain level of camaraderie. You sat together. You sat at the chow hall together. Yeah. Everything you did, you were brothers, right? So if you tell me what you take away from the military, I cannot describe to you the high you get from the camaraderie in a military. Mm. And, I, you know, you miss it, but you hope to create it in another environment that you work in. Obviously, that's exactly what we've done. I was going to say, when you were describing that, that sounds exactly what you've built at PHP. Yeah. That's the, What's the longest run individually you've ever been on? If you went out to go run yeah. for a distance just to go out and jog before military, what's the longest you've ever before ran? The military? Before the military? To the 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Longest so, run. Right. And next thing you know, you're in boot camp. Yeah. You're in formation. Next thing you know, running miles. Yeah. Did you ever think you can run miles like that? No. See, that, no, that, I was not a long-distance runner. That'd be the thing. Yeah. That'd be the thing. I'm like, we got to run three miles. We got to run five miles. We got yeah. to march 26 miles. I'll never do this alone. But amongst the unit, amongst the uh, team, camaraderie, uh, for your brothers, man, let's, let's hump it out. 
That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. yes so for yes, anyone yes. out there, our younger audience out there, considering going to the military, 100% a good decision? A hundred percent good decision? No, because if you are decided on what you want to do, no, you don't need the military. But mm. if you, if you're lost, if you have no clue what you're doing with your life, and you want to have an environment that's going to teach you discipline, toughness, independence, by yourself, washing your clothes, cleaning your place, somebody challenging you that maybe your yeah. parents cannot do because you're emotionally attached to your parents, yeah. may not be a bad idea. You got to realize Trump went to a, a, a military Very academy cabby. as a kid because yeah, boarding school, yeah. he even talks about it. He was a difficult kid growing up, right? So his father, Fred, sent him to military academy. He kind of straightened him out, you know, yeah. and, and uh, he told the story. He says back then when it was about discipline, discipline was they could hit, hit you back then when he went to military academy. <laughs> was Tr- it, it wasn't the PC environment today. No, I, not I today. Say. When he went, I mean, yeah. you got to realize he's 74 right now. So when he went, say he was 11, 12 years old, what is that, 62 years ago? What's 62 years ago? It's 1960s. 1958 is yeah. when he went to 50, military 60s. academy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a complete different America than what it different is Different world. A complete, you yeah. could get away with a lot of stuff. But uh, I think if somebody's undecided what they want to do with their lives and they want to go see the world, you're going to see the world. You're going to have great opportunities. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, shout out to Bradford. Bradford, my buddy, who's uh, got a channel. Beer, uh, wine, Beer and wine and Spirits. He's killing it. I'm so proud of him uh, uh, for what he's doing. This guy goes in and he doesn't just go in and do, you know, special forces. He decides to go 20 years and takes it to a whole different level. Some of the projects that he's done, I can't even talk about yeah. on, uh, on, uh, out of respect to him. But uh, you got some people that go in and turn it into a life. And it's not about money because you don't make a lot of money. Yeah. You make two, three thousand dollars a month. I remember this guy's story. Yeah, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so that's let's, let's let that that's uh, that's how I'd say it about military. Yeah, well, so, salute yep. to you two military veterans and salute to our military. Everybody, veterans. Else, if you're America. if you're a veteran, post below. If you're a veteran, we salute you. If you are a veteran, we salute you. By the way, let me bring salute, up this salute. Josh topic. A lot of people are asking about Josh. Uh, let me just address it here once everybody understands. Josh came out here. Uh, he was doing some digital marketing for us, and it uh, uh, was going good when he was in, uh, I think he was in Arizona working for us. And then him and I had a conversation together about him coming out here, and uh, uh, I decided to hire him because of his abilities to be creative and uh, come up with great campaigns. We hired him on board as a president of Entertainment. Six weeks later, it didn't work out. I asked him, I don't think this is going to work out. We went a different direction. We wished him nothing but the best uh, on uh, uh, on what his endeavors are going to be, but it didn't work out. And, you know, when you think about the Bed David podcast here, what we're doing, a couple things you guys got to keep in mind, the people that are watching this. I created this podcast for one reason. Let me explain to you what this is. I have a lot of friends that I want to introduce to the world that mm-hmm. I want to sit down and have a conversation with. Like last night when we were out was a podcast. If you think <laughs> sure about it. was it. awesome. Last night was a podcast. Stories galore. Last night was absolutely a podcast because we sat there, we're telling stories. You yeah. know, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? Yeah. Like, I got, I got a list of 50 friends that I want to invite to be on this right. show. Yeah. You know, these 50 friends that I want to invite to be on this show, it's to sit down and have many different stories. I mean, yeah. we had Tom Zenner, uh, the last two, Mattis here, uh, we had Rapatoni, we've had Josh, we've had you, we've had Ray Crockett. Expect to see another 50, 100 friends that are going to be here of people that I enjoy talking to. These are people that I enjoy talking to. And many of you guys for years kept saying, Pat, you got to start a podcast, you got to start a podcast, you got to start a podcast. Why do I need to start a podcast? I remember when people say, you got to start a vlog. I'm like, oh my, I cannot stand doing vlogs. 
I cannot stand doing vlogs nonstop with cameras following you, watching every single yeah. thing you're doing. Yeah. But podcasts a are a little bit different because you can sit there and have uh, uh, opinions yeah. about certain things and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, and kind of share your thoughts. And so the viewers said, Pat, we love to have the podcast type of a format. And obviously now we're doing that. So let's talk about culture. Is that fair? If we Please, talk about culture? Love culture. Let's talk about culture. So we got Netflix. Kai, when did, Net when did Reed Hastings write this? What's the timeline when he wrote this? Okay. Can you pull up when he wrote this? So years ago, Reed Hastings decides to write his culture, okay? He decides to write out his culture on how he wants to build out Netflix. By the way, if you've not seen this, if you've not seen this, this is a must-read culture deck of Netflix. I don't know if you've gone through this or not. not. It's 120-something pages. Looks like a PowerPoint of some kind. It's pretty much what it is. It's 120-something pages. He wrote this in 2009. Okay. So it's post-DVDs. It's post-DVDs, oh, yes. Okay. He writes this in 2009. And the whole idea is, this is what we stand for. Okay. okay. This is what we stand for. By the way, the last six months we've been spending time coming out with our own culture for what we were doing here with the company, both with the field and home office. But he writes this. Then he puts it online and leaves it public. Hmm. Do you know how many views this thing gets? Wow. Kai, can you tell us how many views this thing gets? Pull up and, and, and type in Netflix Culture Deck. How many people went to visit? How many people uh, saw the Netflix Culture Deck? Let's see. 11 and a half million people have viewed this Culture wow. Deck. Can you imagine people wow. say, oh, my video went viral, okay? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my <laughs> podcast went viral. That's just on his account. That's just on his yeah. SlideShare account, by the way. My, my, I sold a million copies of my book. No, no. 11 and a half million people read my culture deck. For free. That's a powerful For thing. For free. How does a culture yeah. deck go viral? But that's exactly what he did, mm -hmm. okay? I, I had the opportunity to interview his chief uh, 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 human resources, human uh, resources chief, talent officer. chief talent officer, uh, uh, Patty McCord, McCord, right? She yeah. wrote a book called uh, uh, Impossible. I don't know what the I think it was called Impossible. I had her on the Vault uh, uh, conference last year, and I had her come down, and I interviewed her because I wanted her to find out what is the Netflix culture and the kind of you know way they work over there, right? And listening to her, you would think it's a whole different company Power on the way powerful. they're powerful. is what the uh, book, book is called. So here's Netflix, and here's... Uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, 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 Twitter. Let's kind of go through this together. So Netflix culture. We manage on the edge of chaos, okay? If you think of the last 300 years, we've had factories providing enormous economic value, and so a lot of our society has the factory as the model of the organization. Very top-down, very process, very efficient. Mm -hmm. But it's not the right way to run a creative organization. An organization that needs new ideas needs to be able to make mistakes. Netflix employees love working here. It's so fun because people feel the trust, the openness of the culture, information sharing, and because they've got incredible colleagues, and so they got a lot. They got to do a lot. Okay, so Netflix is not for everyone. He says Netflix is for people who are learning machines. Machines. Hmm. A lot of people don't like to be called machines, but he says no. You are a learning sure machine are. if you work here. Best machine. They just love absorbing new ideas and new experiences and are willing to make mistakes to figure things out. And it's those kinds of self-motivated learners that do so well there at Netflix. And then he says, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings is not a fan of working from home and wants his employees back at the office 12 hours after a vaccine is approved. Yes. You get the vaccine, yeah. 
take the shot. Get back to work. Get back to work is what he wants. Yep. Now, Jack Dorsey is the complete opposite. Sure. Twitter is trying to sublease parts of its San Francisco headquarters after telling employees they can work from home forever. CEO Jack Dorsey has repeatedly said that having a decentralized workforce has been the goal for several years. Subleasing over 100,000 square feet of office space includes over 878 workstations available up to five years. Their office spans over 800,000 square feet in total. They are now subleasing some of their space. Shoot, we get some of that furniture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, give me some. If furniture. they have any furniture, we're, go, go. we're going opposite. We yeah. want to expand. We, we want to expand our right. office. Not, not, not be but virtual. I, but I think. The, but I think the point here is, you got Netflix. Yeah. Their culture is, you, you need to be at the office. Yep. Like you know, they have a, a what's the one line you said about work? He says. Uh, 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 severance package. What's the one oh, line yeah, about yeah. Reed if, Hastings? Uh, uh, adequate, adequate effort here at Netflix gets you a generous severance package. Adequate effort at Netflix gets you a generous severance package. So it's not like you're working there. Oh, I can take as much vacation I want. I can just kick it, relax, all this other stuff. No, no. Yeah. You better deliver on your product. If you yeah. don't, you're fired. Sure. Okay. But you know, Twitter's a little bit different. Work yeah. from home. Yeah. You know, yeah. Netflix saying, no, no, you got to be at the office. Yeah. Who's right? Working from home or working well, from the office? Who has is, who is innovated the most over time? Has it been Netflix or has it been Twitter? I think it's Netflix. Of course. Yeah. You know why? Not because there's close. connection. There's yeah. connection. This podcast isn't done virtual over Zoom. This podcast is done here in person. Uh, support in person. Yeah. Why? Because you can't replace high tech or high touch with high tech. You know, there, there's, a, there's a certain feeling, the, the relationship. You know, the, 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 even though we had a great virtual event two weeks ago, the reason why we sold so many tickets to our regional events, like we broke records in selling tickets to our regional events January, February, because everybody's looking forward to connecting in person. It was the biggest amount of tickets we ever sold to our next event after leaving our, our current event. Why? Because people are looking to connect. People were dying to connect. People were like, you know, this pandemic, everybody's been separated. We had people at our house. We had people at uh, remote offices. They were connecting, and they felt like they were over there virtual, but there's nothing like being together in, in a room. There's nothing like, you, I mean, church is great. But, man, it's nothing like being in a church and feeling the Holy Spirit move mm -hmm. in the room versus through a computer or TV. Adam, what do you think? I agree with Matt uh, for sure. Um, I will say that there is something magical about yeah. not having to leave your house um, and get everything you want to get done and accomplish <laughs> all your goals and your dreams and your visions in your PJs. There's something dope about that. Uh, but... So I like the 80-20 approach. 80% of the time, get your ass into an office, be a yeah. part of a culture. But 20% of the time, hey, man, maybe you take Fridays off. Maybe, you, you know, like you're talking to somebody that has not gone, other than being here <laughs> a ridiculous amount of hours yeah. a week, I haven't been in an office in seven years. Yeah. And my numbers have gone up every year or yeah. else the CEO of my company would put my ass back in the office. Yeah. So this is the, the, you know, I highlight a bunch of different things. This is the last thing that uh, our friend Reed Hastings, he said, and those kind of self-motivated learners that do so well. If you're self-motivated, you don't need somebody to say, rah, rah, sis, boom, ba, and you can do it yourself. Yeah. You can work from anywhere. You can work from the moon if that's, if that's what it'll take to get the job done. But there's a lot of people that are not self-motivated that need to come yeah. to an office, that need to be a part of the culture. So yeah. um, I don't think cre creativity doesn't come from the head. Creativity comes from the heart. Hmm. It's got to it's got to come from heart power. Mm -hmm. it, it can't come. From, yes, it's it's logical. But if you want to be creative, you want to develop, you want to innovate. I think you need to be connected. And what we're learning from this lockdown, this pandemic, is like there's a. I, I believe there's a combination. There's a combination of virtual. There's a combination, but there's a discipline behind not 
you know, staying at home, uh, refrigerator, uh, ESPN if there's sports on, whatever. Kids, totally. Distractions, kids, distraction. I think there's a huge value if you're a company. You want to grow and innovate, you got to be present I, I think together. The, the beauty is that due to technology, we're even able to have this conversation. Sure. Think about, you know, five years ago even. Yeah. Ten years ago, COVID happens. Yeah. How's your virtual? How's your uh, annual event looking at that point? It's canceled, straight uh, up. Well, that other you, service we used. <laughs> yeah, that, remember that? Oh, oh my oh, god! Yeah, five thousand people. It cost people. me one phone. <laughs> you, phone you is too? still uh, you too? through the wall, ba but, babe. If yeah. you're listening to this, it cost Patrick a phone too. I threw my phone. I threw my oh five guys. But you guys put together an amazing <laughs> virtual event. Matt interviewed General Mattis. Our friend Ricky interviewed Pitbull. Pitbull. Dale. Uh, <laughs> Uh, was it Gaetan that interviewed uh, Trey Gowdy? Trey very Gowdy. Good. Very good. Very yeah. good. Virtually. <laughs> Gaetan. It was very good. Very good. But there's something magical about that. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's dope. Technology. Technology. Amazing. But like you said, nothing takes the place of just, what's mm -hmm. up, man? How yeah. you doing? Even, like, even Trey Gowdy said, hey, next yeah. time I look forward to doing this in person. Awesome. Connection. It's not a bad yeah. plan B. Right. So, so let's talk about that. So let's talk about uh, uh, working from home or working from an office. So to me, I, I've, I've recruited a lot of people in my career. Uh, I've recruited a lot of people that didn't fit my culture over my career. I've recruited people that do well under pressure. I've recruited people that don't do well under pressure. I've recruited people that do well working with their wives. I've recruited people that don't do well working with their wives, right? I've recruited people that... Uh, you know, are uh, hard working, hard charging, constantly going. But but the, the one thing I will tell you is I've seen that people that are solo people, there are people that are team people. You got the solo, you got the team. Mm -hmm. It's like sports. Yeah. You got kids that want to play tennis. You sure. got kids that golf. like playing golf. Yeah. You got kids that like playing like swimming. swimming. Why? Wrestling. Because it's yeah. wrestling. It's Operate it's by yourself. It's me. I yeah. control my failure and success, and yeah. they like it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, I want to be an attorney, okay? I want to be an accountant. I want to be a salesperson. I want to be a I want I, yeah, I, yeah, one yeah. person, surgeon. I want to be this, right? And then there's those that are team. Now, here's what typically happens to team people. Team people have been team people for their entire lives, okay? These are people that want to be around others. These are people that enjoy company. Mm -hmm. These are people that don't want to go to the movies by themselves. They're going to call and say, hey, what are you doing? Let's go to watch a movie. Hey, these are the people that, hey, hey you, let's go play basketball together. You know, it's the guy that always yeah. knew how to put, let's yeah. go to the club. Five of you roll up. It's yeah. this one guy that, hey, I don't want to go. It's like <laughs> the guy that would call and say, bro, get out of your bed. Your it's 10 o'clock. Let's man. go. Oh, man, I'm tired. Bro, put yeah. you, you're 20 years old. You got plenty of video games now, man. Everybody had that game. one friend, right, yeah. that wants to be the team guy. You know what typically happens with solo people? Here's what happens with solo people. Solo people, some early, some later, solo people eventually get to a point in their lives where they have to make a decision. And here's what solo people have to make a decision. They have to make a decision whether I want to do it all by myself because I'm capped being solo. Yeah. Solo's yeah. got a cap because yep. you can't take over the world by yourself. You're yeah. capped. Team people are not limited. Yeah. Solo people eventually when they get to that point and make a decision to go work on a team, yep. they need a team around them, yep. they tend to take their lives and their game to the next level. What's my point I'm making to you here? Working from home is solo. Working from yeah. home is not necessarily a team thing. Yep. Working from an office environment together, it's a whole team situation that you yeah, have yeah. there. Great point. You know, you, you, you kind of get a chance to sit down, and even right yeah. here, there's a certain dynamic going on here. Yeah. 
I had a chance to meet his family last night. I wouldn't meet his family. Oh, Luis is who brought yeah. the whole family. Yeah, I, I had a chance to meet his family. <laughs> My sister, Carrie. Luis. You know? <laughs> clack, clack. We're working over here. You know, uh, uh, Sam and I, I had him. Uh, he took care of me a couple of times. I said, hey, Mario, I got to tell you, I like the way this guy yeah. takes care of us. He's, uh, yeah. he's classy. He's like a concierge a service at the highest yeah. level, right? Yeah. You sit there. I've, I've had, yeah. how many times have I spoken to your mom, Kai? How many times have your mom and I had conversations together? I talked to his mom, and I got—I know it sounds weird, but I'm telling him his yeah. mom's happily married, and I'm happily married. <laughs> but I've talked to Kai's mom multiple times, and you sit here like, hey, family, what's up? But if it's not here and you're walking past the desk, there isn't that opportunity to say, yeah. hey, how you doing? Because it's at home. So that deep additional connection of yeah. layers doesn't happen yeah. if it's not face-to-face in a group of But doesn't it always just come back to culture? You've created an amazing it works. culture. Yeah, it works. Yeah. It's a culture, but nobody emotionally gets attached to mm-hmm. something that they work from home. Yeah. You can't yeah. get attached to something that Correct. you work from home, emotionally. Yeah. And typically when people want to run through a wall for a company or a message or an organization, yeah. it's got to be in a group environment. So that's the thing when it I comes agree. down to... Uh, this part. So now let's talk about New York. I mean, we've been taking a lot of shots at California. Let's give New York some love because <laughs> real quick, I think it's, can, can I take a quick yes. commercial break? Speaking sure. of uh, teamwork from home, yes. can I can I make a quick wish to absolutely my, can, can please I, do so? Yes, uh, sweetheart, if you're watching this, my wife was born on 9/11. Wow, so, Sheena. Yeah, Sheena. So, babe, if you're watching this uh, from the Bet David Show, we wish you a happy, happy birthday. Uh, welcome to your 21 year old birthday again. Can't believe this is maybe your second time celebrating your 21st nice. birthday again, but uh, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, she's uh, uh, excited about this day. We have barbecue planned tonight, but babe, love you. Happy birthday here on 9/11. And congratulations birthday, to Sheena for being the chairman of the board. Yeah, you my know, boob, she's my the baby chairman boob. of the board of the field. Yeah. You know, it's amazing yeah. uh, uh, for her to go from where oh, she was yeah. at, both of you guys, to where you are today. So okay, so let's talk about Manhattan. Uh, yes, Sheena, happy birthday to you. I got something <laughs> special coming your way, so so be be prepared for it. Be right, with so your surprises. Matt in the yes. box. So Manhattan. I Manhattan. Got my Matt in the box. Manhattan, <laughs> New York. Okay. okay. Had a record 15,025 <gasps> empty apartments in August. Ouch. Let me say this one more time. Manhattan had a record of 15,025 empty apartments in August. The borough vacancy rate rose above 5% for the first time ever, according to a report from real estate from Douglas Element and appraiser Miller Samuel. It was the highest level in the report's 14-year history during which Manhattan's vacancy rate has fluctuated between 1.5% to 2.5%. Guys, let, let, me, let me say this to you. To go from 1.5% to 2.5% to 5% is double. Yeah, this is yeah. not a small number yeah. here. Yeah. Over the past four months, the rate has made a steady and steep rise, hitting a record each month. Adam, you see the stats with New York, 15,025 empty apartments in August, 5% vacancy for the first time. What do you think about this? You know, if you asked me um, in February, so every summer I tend to get out of my, uh, born and raised in Miami, I live in Miami, I can work remote. If you ask, so every summer I try to go someplace different, I travel, what have you. If you asked me this February, pre-COVID, what my summer plans would be, I'd say, there's a 100% chance I'll be in New York, chilling. I love New York City, you know, rent an apartment for a month or two. Um, nice. I love it. I love just I put on some headphones and I just walk all around the city. There's nothing like it in Manhattan, in Manhattan. Nice. It's 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 the bump. Um, 
Fast forward, I'm, I'm, I'm in, in the second city closest to New York City. Addison, Texas is nothing more better. <laughs> and, and ADD, best beach. I mean, it, it just shows what COVID has done. It has taken the life out of New York City. I mean, think about why you live in New York City. Think about why you pay a premium to live in New York City. And New York City, number two, most expensive place to rent. Number one, San, San Francisco. Francisco. Median rent in New York for a one-bedroom, 700 square feet. Three thousand dollars, right? Three thousand bucks. National average, you're looking at fourteen hundred bucks. So double, and then if you're talking, that's median actually. Average actually closer to four thousand, but you pay a premium for all the fun and amazing stuff you yeah. can do in New York. The museums, the parks, the the Go, culture. Going out to eat. But if you can't yeah. do that, and you're sitting at home, yeah. why the hell are you paying three, four grand, or if not more, yeah. to sit in your apartment? Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. So you pay a premium premium for fun and lifestyle but if there's no fun and lifestyle and you're just sitting at home and you can work virtual it's actually a very good point you're making why would you ever live in new york at this so so the benefit that new york offers you're now not getting so why am i paying that kind of money to be in new york very valid that's the point point of new york very valid point very valid point what do you think about that yeah the same thing too is uh back to culture yeah that was the that's the culture of manhattan the the connections and the whole cycle if, if if businesses aren't operating to create the jobs and the jobs for people to make money, people to spend the money. Yeah. So a business can still thrive. Mm-hmm. So business can receive the money. So that whole cycle is not happening right now. So if the cycle is not happening, this is exposing, this is exposing that, that, that vacancy. So, so this is the question to ask. So when yeah. you think about right now with NFL game yesterday, we were watching Deshaun Watson against uh, Mahomes. Uh, Pat Mahomes, Mahomes right? Yeah. Shout out to uh, uh, Mahomes for, you know, just coming out. Of, yeah, just doing what he does. <laughs> And and Deshaun Watson, you know, he he lost a very good receiver. We hope he gets something back because that guy's a talented guy. But, you know, you're watching a game, and they have some fans there. They were expecting 17,000 people in KC. Yeah, a lot of these NFL stadiums, they're not selling any tickets. Yeah, right. But KC said yes. So 17,000 people showed up to the game, right, give or take. And they usually have, what, 70,000? They usually have 60,000, 70,000 people there, right? So you watch the NBA, the bubble, right? And you see what's going on with uh, the bubble and you're watching some of these games and people watching the games from their, what do you call it, their screens and their, you know, their uh, mm-hmm. uh, Zoom. And you're like, okay, cool. Let me see how this is going to work. The question you ask with sports is, and restaurants is the following. Say because of COVID, NBA lost a million fans that are watching it. I'm just throwing a number out there. Mm-hmm. The question you got to ask is, how many are going to come back? Okay? So if you watch football... And you watch and say, I'm not interested like I was before. You got to have the fans, the screaming, the hollering. Oh, you know, the Richter scale on the sound. Oh, it's so loud right now. Seattle, go louder. You know, Seattle's known to be one of the loudest. Oklahoma City is known as being one of the loudest. Yeah. Now you don't have that element, right? I mean, if you're missing that 12 minutes. So are you going to watch a game the same way? But the question becomes, how many are going to come back? I think the biggest thing with this Manhattan deal is the following. Fine. You're at 5%. Yes, it's scary. The question is. How many are going to come back to right. New York? Mm-hmm. That's, That's the, the real question. Because if it doesn't, Mayor de Blasio needs to be fired ASAP. And Cuomo's got to get involved because one of his mayors is screwing the whole thing in New York. And Cuomo's got to look at what things he's doing to take some responsibility and see what they need to change in the state of New York to not be losing people mm-hmm. and to gain people back. Because yeah. y- you remember the whole conversation we had a few weeks ago where uh, 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 the whole thing was, well, you know, AOC, you, you know, Amazon, why should we give you tax breaks to come to New York City? 
Why are we giving these billionaires tax breaks? Because mm-hmm. they're moving their entire operation to a place mm-hmm. that they're not used to. Mm-hmm. And they're going to create 25,000 jobs at an average salary of $150,000 for your city that you lost. Well, now that you're losing an audience mm-hmm. and your apartments, 15,025 are empty, do you want those people back? So, so Cuomo has to sit there and worry and say, how many of these are going to come back? How many of them did we lose permanently? How many of them did we lose permanently? Because I left California to go to Dallas. They lost you. You know what the plan was when I left California to go to Dallas? To go back Back. to California. To go back to California. But California has lost me. Mm. California has lost me. All my friends, family, everybody's in California. Uh, You can close my eyes, put me in the car. Open the window. I can smell and tell you what street we're on. I've driven on every <laughs> single road in L.A. and California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell me, take me anywhere. I know how to go to any place because I've been all over California, all over L.A., right? So now I come here. I'm lost every other day, okay? I just know how to get to the office and the airport when I'm in Texas. These freeways are very different, Maybe home. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's that's just not a It's a U-turn so, left. Yeah. So now you go to a different place, but that's a permanent person you lost. Mm-hmm. This is not a temporary person. A you're permanent okay. person with jobs. They created jobs. You're okay losing temporary yeah. people. For yeah. example, when a hurricane happens in Florida, where do people go? New York. New York. But it's temporary. Yeah. yeah. So Florida doesn't care because, like, listen, after the hurricane, right. they're coming back. Of course. When New Orleans hurricane hit, people left permanently. Right, right. right. Yeah. So yeah. New York has Displaced to ask, is this a permanent exodus yeah. or is this a temporary one? Because if it's permanent, New York's about to take a hit that we don't even know the aftershock effects of this. You mentioned a few podcasts ago, a bunch of billionaires also departed. Right. Yes. So not only the vacancies are happening, but you have job creators and innovators. Three hundred thirty-six billion dollars of wealth right. left. That's a lot of money. So you know a, who's gonna have to do a lot of cooking, Governor Cuomo. Yeah. He's gonna say, Come back to New York. <laughs> I'll cook you dinner. Well, you got cooking, about, recruiting about fifteen, sixteen thousand people to cook. Dinner you know, for. I get people that give me a hard time, and they say, Pat, I cannot believe you like that guy Cuomo, and you say good things about Cuomo. He's not who you think he is, and all this other stuff. Let me tell you what I've learned how to do. A lot of you guys say stuff about Adam, okay? Adam this, Adam that, Adam this. Let me tell you, Adam gets along with everybody, okay? Adam is homie. Yep. Adam is yep. chill. He's thought. Adam, Adam he's and he's I, I met Adam eight years ago. And when I met Adam, I'm like, you know, he would always approach me. I'm like, I don't know this guy, <laughs> but I like this guy. Every single time. And then eventually, I'd see him once. He's like, hey, you going? Yeah, I'm going. Oh, cool. And then we'd run into each other, run into each other, right? You know, I just like this guy. Politically, he can, you know, stand Trump and he can't stand this. And maybe I'm going to be on a different side when it comes down to policies and all this other stuff. But the guy is cool, right? Mm-hmm. Adam's cool. You can yes. call him Soy Boy. You can call him whatever you want to call him. <laughs> the only guy on the show that has a nickname, right? <laughs> soy Boy. I don't even have a nickname. You got a nickname, Soy Boy. You're good. You're but good. Soy Boy. No, no. Soy Boy is like Madonna. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Some people have just a name like Madonna. Cardi B. Shade. I was walking Cardi down the street. Yeah. Like, Yo, Soy. Yo, what up? <laughs> How we but doing? The point I'm trying to make to you is. Thank you, Value Tainers. It's better than Tofu Boy. The, the point I'm trying to make to you. And by the way, you know what's funny is a lot of people are saying, you know what? I got to tell you i used to hate adam but i love him not i hate the fact that i have to say it but, I love <laughs> him. but you know you, you know thank the, you guys the, the thing about the thing about cuomo is i don't look at politics mm-hmm. so the first thing i look at is i say do i like this guy yeah that's how i judge people yeah. first thing is like, do i like this guy that's you know, how people should yeah, operate yeah, by yeah, the way. You, at yeah. first you say you know what I, I like this guy who they are not what they are yeah 
And then what's his belief system? And then why does he believe in what he believes in? And then the if process. it's, then I, okay, you know what? Cool. I totally get why you believe in what you believe in. Totally get it. I understand the reason behind it, right? But Cuomo's got his uh, job cut out for him, man, because he needs to have an emergency meeting and figure out a way to keep it. And by the way, and I, I just saw the stats. Kai, I don't know if you put it here or not. New York's going back to 25% opening. Oh, there it is. New York Cuomo announces indoor dining reopened to 25% capacity, but experts say it's not enough to save restaurants. On Wednesday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced the state would open that up as of September 30th, which is ended this month. Most restaurants operate a, on razor-thin margins yeah. and barely eke out a profit even at 100% capacity. Andrew Riggi the executive director of New York Hospitality Alliance, the business told business inside Cuomo's announcement came after 300 restaurateurs filed a class action lawsuit against Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio seeking $2 billion in damages and demanding that restaurants be allowed to reopen dining rooms. Hmm. What the hell is 25%? Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, yeah. how many waiters and waitresses do I get at 25%? Yeah. That's not 25%, by the way. Yeah. And then they needed 6,000 votes. So they're or they're counting the staff as part of the 25%? Yeah. Let me get, get this straight. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, wait. So if you room. have 75 capacity, you can only have 12 guests 25%. plus 6 staff, staff, 18. That's 75%. 72%, That's pretty insane to be yeah. thinking about. What is 25% going to do to save these restaurant businesses? So the server's got to be the host, the bartender, the busboy. So therefore, they can have more tables to turn. I mean, we go to this one restaurant, Greek restaurant in uh, uh, by uh, Preston Hollow. We love this place. It's a hole in the wall, but it's phenomenal food. Their dressing, their salad dressing is, it, it's got something in there that's addicting. I don't crack, know what the crack. heck. I'm telling you. I love it. And by the way, they make the best Arnold Palmer at this place. I'm an Arnold is Palmer. 75-25? Uh, uh, no, 90-10. It's the best Arnold Palmer I've, I've had okay. in my life. Don't you dare get that wrong. 90-10, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the 90s iced tea. But I tell right. you, splash lemonade. we go there. One time when, someone got this guy 90% uh, lemonade, 10%, threw it in the guy's <laughs> face. We get out. Damn sour thing. <laughs> So it's actually a true story. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so what's it called? Yeah. So we go to this place, and one day, I noticed they're very busy. I said, "What's going on?" It's a Greek restaurant owned by a guy from Ukraine. Okay. So it's funny. They, the Ukraine wow. guys own this Greek restaurant, wow. and they kill it. They cook better than Greeks do. Okay. <laughs> so there's one waitress who is serving all the tables because wow. that's what restaurant owners have to do today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't have a lot of people being there because I got to pay the money for them. So you, you're, sure. I'm opening up to lose money. Yeah. 25% is yeah. open to lose money. 50% is open to lose money. So right. yeah. I, I think this, this pressure New York's having is going to get to a whole different level. So yeah. as much as they'd like to keep this thing dragged out for a little longer to help with the election, I think Cuomo is going to eventually cave in and realize he needs to satisfy his citizens and the people of New York and get things back to normal. Maybe not fully. You can still have the mask stuff yeah. that's going on, yeah. but get it back to fully. So can, we'll see what happens. Can we ask there. our audience, um, how many of them are in New York? I know we asked our audience how many people were in California. Yeah, in how LA. many of you are from New York? And if you are in New York, uh, if you are in New York, how are you feeling about the restaurants opening up at 25%? By the way, if you're watching this and you're having a good time with this, put a thumbs up, share this, I and hit the subscribe button. I think we're about to cross 2,000 live in the next uh, few minutes here we're at 1781 but you know uh, uh, so you know that's what you got going on with new york and cuomo and 15,000 apartments let man, me just say one thing right about there. these razor thin margins um 
Most restaurants operate on razor thin margins. That's where you took that from, Kai, from this article. You know, I did an I did a interview one time for uh, South Talks Money on my show. I interviewed the number one hotelier hospitality guy in Miami, and he said that, you know, think about a business um, that makes four million dollars in gross sales as a restaurant. He has to hope and pray that he can make ten percent. So net, net. $400,000 and then after that he has to pay taxes. So you're talking about razor thin margins here, your operating costs and everything after that, you got to hope and pray for 10%. I said, that's the number he goes, that's 90% is paid out. 90% paid out. So you were talking about, you're only at 25% capacity. What a rough, how do you operate a, like that? What a rough business to be in. So this I, is why Cuomo is going to be cooking. Yeah, Cuomo's going to be cooking, but I think Cuomo has common sense. But I do believe Cuomo has common sense. Because it's going to oh, be a trigger effect. You There's, did a poll. Yeah. California or New York, better uh, place for entrepreneurs. On Twitter, yes. on 3,100 votes, yeah. New York, California, 50-50. 50-50. But on Instagram, yes. 51,000 votes, California, 59, New York, 41% better for entrepreneurs. Mm. What's okay. the difference? Well, what do we got here? Well, I mean, people give their arguments why they believe California is better than New York because the— uh, uh, New York is smaller, more condensed. California is wider. You can build that in more different areas of California. Northern California has got business. Southern California has got business. Central has Central, business. Yeah. So there's a lot yeah. of different places. So New York is more New York City. It's, it's you don't hear upstate yeah. Buffalo. You don't hear yeah. a lot of that Starting stuff. Starting a business in Albany. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I don't know if I've heard that unless if you're... Uh, What's better... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's better for taxes? Uh, New York is ahead of California. So California is the worst. California is 50th worst. Out of 50 states, wow. New York is 42nd. <laughs> so if you had the choice of moving yeah. back to California or moving Shh. to New York, what would you pick, PBD? I would move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. Options have, but I also want to say there's a triggering effect here. If you got this much empty apartments, you got restaurants barely staying in business, they're in a $60 billion loss. What, what's, what's another industry in New York that's about to implode or have a, set, a major setback? Hotels. Which is hotels and real estate. Hospitality, yeah. You know, commercial real estate. Hmm. A lot of these landlords are going to have a tough time paying that mortgage. Well, especially real what CDC announced. CDC announced you can't evict anybody if they're not paying the rent until the end of the year. CDC just announced that anybody that's renting, Whoa. if they have a loss of a job and they're making less than $199,000, husband and wife together, their uh, 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 rent is forgiven till the end of the year. CDC came out with this part. So, you know, it's not a good time to be in commercial Temporary real estate. Temporary fix, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good time to be in commercial real estate yeah. right now. It's a, it's a very complete, uh, very interesting time. Maybe By the way, sure. Portland becomes the first city to ban the use of facial recognition technology by government agency and private <laughs> entities in public spaces. <laughs> Let me read this one more time. <laughs> Portland becomes the first city to ban the use of facial recognition technology by government agencies and private entities in public spaces. Mayor Ted Wheeler said during hearings that Portlanders should never be in fear of having their rights of privacy be exploited by either their government or by a private institution. Freelance journalist Kate Kay uh, reported, the ban also creates a legal right for people to sue private companies that collect their information in violation of the law and seek up to $1,000 in damages for each hmm. day of violation. So Portland becomes the first city to ban the use of facial recognition. Hmm. Uh, Adam, what do you think about this? You know, I don't know what to make of this because when I initially think of Portland, I think of a very liberal city. Yeah. Right? Like Oregon, liberal, yes. Democrat. Um, this, So on the surface, I hear Portland, I'm thinking liberal. Then as I kind of unpack this a little bit more, I'm thinking this is more of a libertarian, like don't infringe on my rights. 
And then I kind of gravitate to more of like a conservative, you know, you know, let me do what I want to do. Yeah. Don't interfere. Yes. So I don't know what to make of the story. Is this a liberal thing? Is this a libertarian thing? Is this a conservative thing? Yeah. Stay out of my bedroom. Stay out of my face. Stay out of my right. I don't know what to make of this. But um, they're standing their ground. Either one way or another. Portland is standing up to facial recognition. I like, guess this 5G. Is this part of that stuff? Or this is a Palantir? What, is, what was that? Palantir. I don't think Palantir is linked to this. Uh, but uh, facial recognition. I mean, you got. Why, why would a private entity? I get government because for police and yeah. law enforcement. Whatever, but why would a private entity want facial recognition? Is it for their own security? Well, no. I mean, you, uh, you got to realize this whole meeting that they're having at yeah. the house with with uh, Amazon, Google, all these guys is selling your data. Of course, right? Yeah. Selling yeah. your data. So uh, a a very uh, uh, a big TED meeting that was that took place ten years ago. They said, what is the best industry to be in part of, uh, to be a part of in the future, the next few decades? They said data. It's all about data right now. Whoever's got the most data has yeah. the mm. best access. If you got data, you can mm -hmm. retarget, target. You can yeah. do a lot of things if you have the data on people, right? So uh, I understand why private agents, like why would private uh, enterprises want to have uh, uh, facial recognition? And government, yes, I get it. But mm -hmm. Portland, see, here's, here's the thing. You know how you sit down and you talk to somebody? about politics, like almost anybody I talk to about politics, and you, say, you don't ask them, are you Democrat or Republican? You don't ask them that. You just ask them basic questions. You say, let me ask you, uh, how comfortable are you sharing your privacy with others? People say what? Not no. comfortable. Okay, how comfortable are you an institution or an organization knowing about your family, you and your wife's sex life? Zero. Okay, how comfortable are you about the government or an institution knowing exactly about all your financial situation oh, where you're at? Absolutely zero. Okay, how comfortable are you a organization knowing everything about how you raise your kids? How comfortable none are you? Okay. Business. None of your business. Okay, none of my, fair enough. Matt, zero, okay. zero, zero, <laughs> zero, zero, let zero. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask <laughs> you this. your business. Let me ask you this. How comfortable are you allowing strangers to break into your car or your house without your permission? Of course not. Yeah, you're not I, comfortable I, with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, are you comfortable with that? Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay how come? How, if you if you were to choose to live in another country, Adam, you got three kids, you got four kids. What are one of the first things you would consider before you want to move into another country? What would it be? What would that country Safety. need to offer? Safety. Safety. Okay, yeah, you would education. want education for your kids. Yeah. The First Amendment yeah. okay. comes to mind. First Everything Amendment. The first yeah. Amendment. Okay. Protects. Let me ask you a question. If somebody comes into your house and decides to take stuff out, should you have the right to hit them upside the head with a baseball bat? Yeah. Should you have the right? If not more. But but, let me, but yeah. I'm asking a simple yes. question. I'm yes. not asking yes. politics. Yes. If somebody breaks into your house and they want to steal all your you know belongings. Should you have the right to own a gun and tell them to get the hell out of your house? <laughs> Should you have the right to do that? Yes or no? Sure. Okay, so let's just say you're upset about somebody that is going against you in politics. Should you have the right to call a meeting and bring your 50 friends and family members to your place and say, look, here's what we need to do. Go, go up against the mayor. Should you have the right to have a meeting with 50 mm -hmm. friends and relatives course, locally? Sure. And, okay, so this is everything I'm saying. Okay, so let's just say you go out there and you work your tail off. You work 60 hours in a week. You miss great memories of your kids and you have to work that one weekend. Maybe even you're working on Christmas weekend because mm -hmm. you are in retail. You have to work on Christmas, right? H how, much of your, how much of your dollar you make are you comfortable giving to the government? The, the very least is possible. How much is that very least? What are you comfortable without getting upset, without getting irate? <laughs> Five percent. You, you, you make a buck. <laughs> I'm actually being serious. You make yeah. a buck. What are you? What are you willing to yeah. give? What are you willing to give? Five cents. Five cents. What are you willing to give, Adam? 
I mean, I want to pay as least tax but as possible. But give me the number. What are you willing to tell? So what's your question if I well, tell according you? According to my tax bracket, 39-something percent. No, I didn't say what your tax bracket is. Right. I'm you asking you what you're comfortable. I'm not comfortable paying shit. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But, it's not about comfort. But, you got to pay it. But watch this. But say yeah. I come back to you and I say, okay, fine. You don't want to pay shit? You say, no, I don't, I don't want to pay shit. Okay. So is it fair to say that the roads are on you? Right. Did you go to public schools? I did. So you pay for all public schools. Your own roads. Your yeah. own cops. You your own 911. So, yeah. uh, so meaning you would like to pay some taxes. You say yes. What portion right. of your dollar that you work your tail off would you like to give to me? On the 15% government? flat tax. Fine. 15%. Are you being sure. sarcastic? He's, or he's, no, I'm not. I'm okay. I, I, now but, that you're saying, look at me. He's going to the laugh roll. The point I'm trying to make yes. to you is I agree with the people of Portland. Yeah. What the hell do you mean you want to have facial recognition? Yeah. You know, first of all, facial recognition everywhere? No. I don't want you to do any kind of facial mm -hmm. recognition to me. Are you a spy? Are we going back to these? Uh, and just the fact that it says Portland becomes the first city to ban the use of facial recognition. Here's a real question. Who's really? How, <laughs> how many people are listening to the same? So if they're the first city, this means all the all other the cities, cities are recognizing my yeah. facial based on anywhere I go. What it's uh, to me, it's not uh, even Portland being yeah. the first. It's like you don't want to use your face ID anymore. And, you're, and, your and, and by the way, I know some people are going to be like, well, Pat, you know, uh, Portland is this and Portland is that. I've been to Portland. I, believe me, I know what Portland's like. I had an office in Portland in 2010. I'd go to Portland every other month. I had to go to Portland in really? 2000. Yeah, regularly. And it's it's definitely weird. It's qualified. <laughs> I've, never, weird. I've never been to Portland. What's it's going on? Different. What's going on in the Northwest? Have you, very ever, have you ever been to Austin? Have you ever I've been, been to Austin? Austin is weird. That's but, their but motto. But Austin's right? got nothing on Portland. Really? Qualified weird. Wow. Qualified weird. They take it to a whole different level. Portland. But I get along with weird. I don't have a problem yeah, with the yeah. people. I get along with weird. You people. get along with everyone. Though. I get along with everybody. But the point I'm trying to make to you is, how is the weirdest city in America today? Banning facial recognition. <laughs> That's, that was my point initially. It's like, I don't know if they're liberal. What do you think about it, Kai? Kind of? It's still early, so I just think they're ahead of the curve. I mean, so do you think other people are going to do it as well? I think so. Yeah, I think so as well. Within this law, obviously, like uh, the, the facial recognition on, on an iPhone is included because that's something you, you would willingly comply to. Like to open up your iPhone. Yeah. Guy, uh, you might need a mic, buddy. Yeah, very soon. Very soon he'll get a mic. That'll be a promotion for that guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there you have it with these. Uh, 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 so so let's talk about the next company, a company that Adam uh, has never gone to because Adam uh, uh, is team coach. Adam is team coach. Adam has never bought one of his girls a Louis Vuitton bag. Oh, okay, never. Oh, I wish that oh. were freaking true. Yeah, so Adam is a team I coach. Wish that were uh, Adam true. is team uh, Michael Kors on this count on <laughs> Thursdays. Oh, uh, I wish that uh, my lady friends uh, would take a close uh, purse. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have no yeah. idea uh, how many arguments I've had over purses. Over purses, really? Yeah. Wow. But let's hear, let's get to the topic before okay. I go. All right, just <laughs> hold it together. Hold it together. So Tiffany sues. Uh, Louis Vuitton. Yesterday, U.S. jeweler Tiffany sued French luxury giant Louis Vuitton in Delaware after Louis Vuitton tried to back out of a $16.2 billion acquisition of Tiffany. Uh, amongst other things, that in the light of the threat of heavy additional tariffs upon French goods by the U.S., France's Ministry of Europe and Foreign Affairs recommended a letter that Louis Vuitton delays proposed acquisition, acquisi uh, acquisition of Tiffany until after January 2021. Tiffany itself has ha also backed Louis Vuitton to postpone the closing of the merger to December 31st. However, under the terms of the merger agreement signed by Louis Vuitton and Tiffany in November of 2019, and closing cannot be extended until beyond November 24, 2020. Louis Vuitton uh, uh, said its board has decided to adhere to the conditions of the agreement. 
Uh, what do you think about this whole thing between Tiffany and Louis Vuitton? Since you have a special place in, you know, Louis Vuitton's, Louis Vuitton has a special place in LV. your heart. Why don't you tell the, us what the, you think? The about best this? part of the story is how you pronounce. Oh my God! The French Patrick Pet David. Oh my goodness! Oui oui. So let's just unpack this for a second. LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy. Do you know what brands this company owns? Let's just let's just talk about uh, LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy. It's owned by Bernard Arnault, your French friend. You know what number he is in the world rankings of hmm, wealth? Interesting. Well, do, what you is know, he? do you know? Do you know? I don't know. Number three. Really? Number three. You got Besos. Uh, you got wow. uh, you got Gates. And you have Arnaud. This guy. Number three, France. Right. And then wow. you, you're thinking, what? I mean, so let's just, what what brands does LVMH own? Let's just, uh, luxury brands. Dom Perignon, Moen Hedesi, hello. Bulgari, Sephora, where all my girls like to get makeup. Givenchy, Dior, Fendi, DKNY. The list goes on wow, and on. They own a lot of luxury brands, it all. Huh? Wow. So, um, unfortunately, I've had to buy a lot of those types of gifts for lady friends. <laughs> buy and drink them. Yeah, buy and drink them. <laughs> um, whatever this lawsuit is, I, I, I've lo I, I, I couldn't even read this. I'm like, I've spent so much stupid money. So the thing about me, my friends, everyone out there, I don't mind spending money on ladies that I'm with. I don't. I don't. I, I don't spend anything on myself. That's my whole thing. It's like I don't have a car. I bought a girl a Lexus. I don't. I don't wear jewelry. I've bought a girl a Tiffany medallion. I don't. You know, rock anything. I've bought a girl uh, Louis handbags. So uh, I've spent a, a lot of money on these types of products. Uh, but I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple guy. So I don't know. You're you're a Louis guy, or, or what? What are you? Oh, Ricky's a big Louis guy. Ricky's all Louis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ricky's underwear's Louis. This guy. Ricky's mask is Louis. This guy has mask. a yeah. Louis mask. mask. Yeah, Ricky's. I didn't know. I didn't know Ricky that well, and he he put it on. I thought he was joking. Yeah. He's like, buddy, <laughs> if I'm gonna roll out, I'm running a Louis face mask, yeah. buddy. I'm like, can you even breathe? He's Ricky, like, <laughs> 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 doesn't matter. Leather, I look good. They just bought. They, they, just, they just bought a Rolls Royce as well. They just bought a Rolls Royce. Was that, is that legit? I thought it was the ghost. They just bought Instagram. Yeah, they just bought it. They just bought it. They just had the Lambo announce the roles. Yeah, he's doing his thing. So what's your take? What do you think? What's your take on this? You know, I'm wondering what the power move is. Why would you know? I get the I get the move that the it's a it's a a tax thing. It's a it's a terror thing. But you know, your in your book, is there is there a power move here that we haven't? They're just wanting to make a timely decision based on the money. I actually don't think this is a power move. You know, I just brokered a deal yesterday, and half the half the battle about the broker and the deal was about how to minimize taxes. That's what it is. Yeah, I think this is purely a tax thing, and I think they got to work with them. I know this whole November twenty fourth thing. Give me a break. I mean, if they want to do that and you extend it for a month and a half to get the deal done, just do it. January, yes. But I also understand what it is that if you had an agreement on a on a contract and they refuse to do it, they don't have to do it. Right. So uh, we'll see what's going to happen. We hope it doesn't get too ugly because both of these brands have been historically very prestigious, mm -hmm. and we hope they stay that way. Well, maybe some people hope they don't stay that way, so there's a discount for it, but it is th what it I is. I think some of the bigger questions is with everything happening with COVID around the world, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. Are these brands— Are they manufacturing stuff right now and selling them? I'm, I'm, that's a, right? Are they manufacturing Meaning is there a market for these yeah. brands still? There's no question there's a market for these okay. brands. I mean, I, I, I happened to peek into your conference room the other day, and there were gift bags, Louis Vuitton bags, and Gucci. Dior Gucci bags. Versace. And that was Versace. just a, a weekend in, <laughs> at the PBD yeah. house. So. Yeah. 
You did give those away to. We, we, we did give away. away. I don't know yeah. what the number was. Fifty thousand awesome. stuff. Uh, we awesome. gave a lot of stuff away. But so okay. So that's that part. Uh, 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 let's let's Jay's, let's go Jay's, to Amazon. Amazon added the ex NSA spy chief who presided over the Edward Snowden scandal to its board. Thursday, it has elected former National Security Agency Chief Keith Alexander to its board. Alexander presided over the NSA when the Edward Snowden scandal broke. Snowden reacted to the news of Alexander hiring to Amazon, saying, it turns out, hey, Alexa, is short for, hey, <laughs> Keith Alexander, which is pretty well played, powerful. Well General Keith Alexander presided as director of the National Agency from 2005 to 2014, after which he founded his own cybersecurity company, IronNet Security. Is this something deeper than what it is, or is Amazon just trying to protect themselves against a cyber attack? Well, he was the first, General Keith Alexander was the first commander of the U.S. Cyber Command. Okay. So he, if there's anybody that knows anything about setting up and establishing, it's him. It's him. Yeah. him. I think this is just a smart addition to the board. You, you just recruited a guy that can provide a lot of value, relationships, and insights of people that are trying to come after your company. Are you reading into this, Adam, or no? That's No, I, anytime Matt. that the word general is in the sentence, I just throw it over to Sapala. <laughs> so you take this one, Matt. Uh, general Mattis, General Keith Alexander. You know, I, I, the, the story that I have here is regarding Edward Snowden. And this is where my problem with the media. Is Edward Snowden a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he anti-American? Is he pro-American? This guy, I, the, I don't know. This guy's name has been out there for so long. Yeah. He, he he just he, he's a guy that just don't want doesn't want to be infringed on. He wants his privacy, right? Just leave leave us alone. That's what it that's what it would seem. And yeah. he was the um, why can't I think of the word the uh, when you when you whistleblower. Thank you, Kai. Whistleblower for everything that was happening. Um, this was in during uh, mid to mid. You know, 2010, I want to say, maybe before that. Point is, this Edward Snowden guy, Edward Snowden guy, seems like a legit guy, but the media has portrayed him to be sort of a bad guy. I mean, what's your take on Snowden? I mean, who did he expose? Give me the name of who he exposed. He exposed the government. Okay, who? Who was in the government when he exposed them? I want to say Bush. Okay, who else did he expose? Who else did Snowden expose? NSA. NSA? Who Nash else? Okay. Who else did he expose? I mean, was everybody. It Obama? Who, I don't know. Who, I don't know what year he was doing his Everybody. Gotcha. Hillary. He put everybody. He put it out there. Yes. Right. And it was everybody. Okay. So when they do that, you know, you're going to have the government that's going to call the media saying, hey, listen, you guys right. got to kind of uh, cut this part out and this is a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, happy about this. And, you know, sometimes like what he's saying, hiring somebody like that, you know, you're really hiring his Rolodex. Amazon is hiring Keith Alexander's Rolodex. It's, it's the mm -hmm. contact. You talk about from 2005 to 2014, that's nearly 10 years, yeah. okay? Yep. What's his Rolodex look like in the space of cybersecurity? And is that the Rolodex that Jeff Bezos wants? Of course. Of course he wants yeah, that. Course. He wants that Rolodex. So he wants yeah. to call those contacts that he has with Amazon. I think, you know, uh, on Bezos' move, good for him for getting mm -hmm. it. I also understand why the media would turn this into a story. It's probably something you got to write about mm -hmm. uh, because it's always interesting when things like this takes place. Like when Huawei, when when a UK in one of the scenarios hired somebody, a former executive from Huawei, a mm -hmm. little bit strange. When you mm -hmm. get some of these companies that are hiring former cybersecurity from China, it, I mean, this yeah. happened just last year. 
you got to pay attention to it, but I don't think it goes much more than that with Bezos. Are you a Snowden fan? Anti-Snowden? I am. Neutral? I am. I, am, I am all for anybody that whistleblows on the government who's trying to manipulate against the people. What I'm not against is when whistleblowers uh, whistleblow against a country's uh, plan of attack or strategy. I don't think that's healthy for the people mm-hmm. because yeah. the enemy knows what they're going to do next. But if you're going to yeah. whistleblow somebody on what they did 10, 20, 30 f- years ago or even in emails when you know Clinton or some of that stuff, I'm with that. We need to know what's going on there mm-hmm. and the manipulation part of it. So, yes, I'm with that part. So, uh, 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 next, next, since we're talking about this, by the way, we're talking about the uh, NSA and, uh, uh, you know, if there's any kind of link with some of these other countries, what they're doing with a Snowden and a whistleblower. Um, a documentary was sent my way, mm-hmm. okay? And the documentary is titled Covert Cash. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have Covert you seen Cash. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Covert Cash. Yeah, did I, I, you sent, I sent it to you, If right? you get a text from Pat at midnight on a Tuesday <laughs> saying, watch this, you freaking watch yeah. it. Yeah. We all get me, me, Kai, and Mario. Sorry, Mario, Kai, and I. Let yeah. me use proper English. Kai and I. Text that. I watch it immediately. What did you think Dude. about when you watch this documentary? First of all, why don't you tell people who are listening to this, okay. what was the documentary huh. about? So um, I'll try to do it justice. The documentary was basically uh, about, I said she was the lead person, uh, main storyteller here, covert cash, what U.S. universities don't want you to know about their foreign funding. So let, let's talk about foreign funding. And they highlighted basically a handful of countries. Number one, China. Number two, Russia. Number three, Saudi. Number four, Qatar. Uh, amongst a, a handful of other countries that are basically, it's a pay-for-play thing. Jeez. Kai used the great word what, prostitution, what? where these universities are accepting a boatload of cash to, you know, indoctrinate um, their philosophies. Their philosophy. So the Confucius school, uh, China sets up Confucius schools in a certain so it's sort of like soft power right if anything we've learned about china is they're not gonna go attack you they're gonna do the, they're gonna sort of uh soft power their way weasel their way in whisper their way in to say things about you but it was actually shocking how much these universities would accept and then when china says don't say nothing bad about us they say yes sir yes sir wow. to the point where what i think the story was um Oh, they, they talk about uh, the, the leader of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, M, what is it, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, he goes around to these universities and they're just like bowing down because he gave them, you know, a couple billion bucks. So the, the most poignant part of this episode, of this story, was Qatar sued Texas A&M for talking about certain things they shouldn't be talking about. This is a public... University, University in the state of Texas. Yeah, take Come on now. Can get more American than that. Don't get more American <laughs> Texas. And they sued him to shut the up and talking about things. About and you know t- what Texas A&M did? They shut their mouth. No. So that Come was the craziest on, thing. Is they wouldn't release their records. They wouldn't talk the about money it. money back. It was a very, very what? shady pay-for-play type of move. What? Yeah. So let me, let me give you some stats. Let me right. give you some stats. Harvard leads all U.S. colleges that's received – a billion dollars from China. Wow. This is from Bloomberg, by the way. Wow. I'm not quoting you anything else but yeah. Bloomberg. And Bloomberg is Bloomberg. Yeah. He yeah. just ran yeah. for president yeah. on yeah. the left. He, yeah. support, he dropped out to support Biden. Yeah. Right. This is not political stuff, by the at way. At all. This is not Zero. left. This, this is not, not right. political so stuff. So 
This is all about the green, as I said. Harvard leads U.S. colleges that received a billion dollars from China. And why, first of all, why are you we're receiving a billion dollars from China? Check. Yeah. And let's just say you do receive a billion dollars from China. For what? If, if anybody receives a billion dollars from somebody, yeah. what yeah. do you owe them? Yeah, exactly. Something. What do you owe? Something, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. No free lunches. Yeah. yeah, you owe them something. Yeah. It, you know, no so, free egg rolls. Yeah. So what do you owe them? You, you owe them a favor? Yeah. You, you owe him to protect them against what? You owe him to change the way a certain thing is being said in schools? You know, a couple weeks ago, not even a couple of weeks ago, I think it was this week's podcast when we talked about how uh, uh, China is changing the way you think about anything. They yeah. want you to think about them in a very positive Mulan. way. The movie Mulan, yes. right, where they said, hey, hey uh, the act, main actress and Jackie Chan, you got to say good things about CPC, yeah. uh, uh, communist, uh, uh, what is it, CCP? Why would I say good things CPC. about you? You got to say good Here's things a about them. Here's half a billion dollars. Say good things. Okay. Yeah. So, but a billion dollars was right. given to China. Then the other countries you look at was Russia, was Qatar, was uh, Saudi. Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Pakistan, Man. Palestine, uh, Syria, Turkey, Venezuela. Wh wh taking money why from our enemies. But out of all of these countries, these are all enemies you're taking money yeah. from. But he didn't take your money from these enemies. Universities. So, you know, for, for, for me, it becomes even more concerning because so every university gets started with a good intention. I think whoever starts a sure. university, there's yeah. a good motive behind it. You want to add your own method of teaching. You want to add your own style. And most of these schools are named after somebody. Mm -hmm. Harvard mm -hmm. was somebody. Howard Somebody, mm -hmm. you know, Yale. Yeah. It's, it's a name exactly. of somebody, right? That when the, when the school bring gets them young, BYU. Yeah, BYU, yeah. Uh, LDS. Somebody, right? In in Utah. But uh, to take money from China, and now you're gonna teach my kids a certain way of thinking, and my kids are gonna spend more time with you. And by the time they're 18, I lose them to you, and now you own them because. They're going to say things like, and we're supposed to, as parents, telling our kids what? Listen to your teachers. teachers. Yeah. <laughs> listen yeah. to your teachers. So your kids are growing up saying, well, mom, you told me listen to your teachers. Study your subject they matters. Never, but, Pass the, test. but here's the question. How many, t who says more this? Watch this. Who says more? Do parents say more, listen to the teachers, or do teachers say more, listen to your, your parents? parents. <laughs> no, parents say listen to your teachers. Parents say more, listen to your teachers. Teachers don't say listen nope. to your parents. Wow. This is a monopoly yeah. here. Parents are taught to tell their kids to go listen to the teachers, but teachers are not taught to tell the kids to go listen Shh. to the parents. So you want me for 18 years to tell my kids, listen to your teachers? teachers. Yeah. And then you want me to send them to a school that got a billion dollars from China, and you want me to have yeah. China teach the history of China from the perspective of China, China that gave you a billion dollars to say, take those three sentences out of your textbook because we gave you a billion dollars, wink, yeah. wink, or yeah. what? Nah, you know what? No, no, I'm not, I'm not good with that. Uh, in, in, in my mind, I think there's somebody from China that goes to that school and edits all the material and in, 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 infuses into the curriculum what they need to learn, what they need to censor or need to take out. That's what I'm envisioning right now. If you take this check, we're going to have a team of people come to your school mm -hmm. university, into your curriculum, and here's what you need to teach everybody. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing right now. All there's these a, countries. A, yeah. I just realized something, by the way, as you were speaking. Now, because obviously you're looking for schools for your kids in, in certain places. And you're always asking, what does this school believe? What's their What's their principles? Always. Yeah. always. What do you know about this school? Yeah. I'm realizing now, because they're going to be around these teachers. They're going to be around these influential people. Yeah. And you want to make sure that your kids are being taught what they should be being taught, not what someone paid for them to and be taught. And their fellow students are they're being taught the same thing. Let me, let me say, Yigit, uh, Yigit Ertem, we see you, just so you know that. He says, Turkey is 
a, a nation of NATO. Mario, whoever, uh, we, you, you can keep that guy going. I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with that. He can be on there. This is fully fine. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, a nation of, uh, 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 yeah, no spamming, please. I understand. But we saw him for saying things like that. We don't want to see spamming. But Turkey is a part of NATO. But uh, just because you're part of NATO doesn't mean you're a full-on ally, ally 100%. America yeah. walks very carefully with Turkey because Turkey is the most powerful, has the most powerful military in the Middle East, and you have to be good with them. This is why the Armenian genocide hasn't become official by the White House, but mm. it did by Congress and Senate because you have to be very careful with Turkey because U.S. still owns three bases in Turkey, and if you do say Armenian genocide— Erdogan has said that he's going to kick those three bases out, and America needs those three bases. And so uh, there's a whole story behind it. I don't want to get a little bit more technical, but I understand there. that Turkey is a part of NATO. What's the, what's the relationship between Turkey and Iran? For, uh, allies? No. Agitators? No. What's I, that relationship? I think, I think Turkey kind of holds their uh, guard with U.S. saying, if you screw me, I'm going to become a friend with the people that are your enemies. I think that's the angle that uh, Turkey, yeah, it is. It is. You got to always be careful. You know, sometimes you have people that are close to you and you watch them. You know, the people that work close to you, but they stay close to your enemies. I'm always worried. Like I have somebody that's working with me. Why are you following my enemies? Yeah. What's yep. your motive of following the enemies? Why are you befriending the enemies? Yep. Those guys don't have a long lifespan with me because if you're doing that, what is your motive? What are you, right. what are you doing here? You can't to, play both sides. Yeah, what are you doing there? If you're, if you're in, you're in. If you're not in, then go do, do yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to do. I'm not, there, this is not no dictatorship for you to have to be here. Right. But uh, you got to be careful. You know, you got to be careful what's going on. And with the schooling, if anybody's listening to this, if you're a parent, ask more questions. Hmm. When you go interview a school, ask them. Like I asked the schools mm -hmm. the following question. Uh, let me ask you, what do you guys think about capitalism? Mm -hmm. I ask a question. What are your thoughts on capitalism? <laughs> what do you guys think about rich people? Yep. What do you think about entrepreneurs? Yep. What do you think about politics? How do you think the president's doing? How do you think about this? How do you think, oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you th what do you think about the, oh, you know, like I went to one school and we sat down and they said, we are known as the number one most progressive school in all of America and we fully believe in climate change and going green and we teach our young kids about being progressive. For $35,000 a year? Yeah. No. Not going to send my kids to your place. I'm not going to send them to my kids to your place for them to be told how terrible rich people are and entrepreneurs are and capitalists are. No, we're not going to do that. I, I had my daughters wear a yeah. capitalist shirt. I have a shirt. It's called Capitalist. Yeah. And we're to, to their high school. It says, how much, how, much, uh, how much crap did you get today? It says, nothing from the students, but I got some- uh, Teachers. Uh, yeah. Teachers. Yeah. Why are you wearing that shirt? Right, what's what's yeah. up with that shirt? Why are you wearing that shirt? I remember one time we were sitting with Aoki, Steve Aoki, you know, the DJ Steve yeah. Aoki. And Nancy was wearing a shirt say, uh, I love capitalism. And he walks in, she walks in, and uh, Steve looks at her and says, I love capitalism. What kind of a shirt is that? She says, oh, we're an entrepreneur channel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he was uncomfortable about it. Why is capitalism a bad word? For some people it is. Because capitalists are seen by these cartoons that a lot of us were raised on is these big fat men who take money away yeah. from the skinny people. Mm. That's what the cartoon characters show. Yeah. You ever seen the cartoon yeah. characters with big fat uh, capitalists? Yeah, yeah. A yeah. capitalist yeah. is always painted as a big fat, a fat guy. cat. Or, yeah. a, or a pig. Yeah. 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 Big fat pig that takes the money away yeah. from everybody. What are the but socialists painted as? Oh, loving angels, you mm. know, wings, uh, 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 Gabriel-esque, you know. Uh, Michael Angels, you know, you're Wings. just so loving. Yeah, with fly. Just so they have a great track record. They love you so much. You know, you're so incredible. You know, 
Uh, by the way, this leads me to a feud that took place between uh, Elon Musk and uh, Reich. Oh, there we go. Robert Reich recently. Speaking Let me read this tweet. Yeah. Kai, so if, you, if you have this segue. tweet, pull it up. Oh, you got it? Okay, uh, oh, here we is. go. There it is. Tesla, Robert Reich, <laughs> who worked under uh, Clinton administration. He worked yeah. under... Uh, 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 Obama administration, I believe, and he also worked under Gerald Ford. We have to say that as well because he's been around for a long time. He's got a couple of documentaries on uh, income inequality and saving capitalism. Yes, he does. Yeah, but but uh, his saving capitalism is not really saving no, capitalism. It's, yeah, it's really no, taking no. shots at capitalism. Correct. It's a Correct. negative spin on capitalism. So Robert Reich says Tesla forced all workers to take a 10% pay cut from mid-April until July. In the same period, Tesla stock skyrocketed and CEO Elon Musk's net worth quadrupled from $25 billion to $100 billion. Elon Musk responds, and then he says on the bottom, Musk is a modern-day robber baron. Elon Musk responds, all Tesla workers also get stock, so their compensation increased proportionally. You are a modern-day moron. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, you know he, here's a story with this guy, and they're having a battle, and I sent out a tweet myself yesterday as well. If you can type in Kai Robert Reich, Guardian, just go up there and up there, top, no, no, go, uh, uh, Robert Reich and Guardian. Robert Reich, Guardian. G-U-A, Gar there you go, Ca the first one that came up. Just press on, click on that. And then go up there and type in, uh, uh, go up there and type in China. China, it's an article. There, there, click on that one. Okay, watch this. So it's an article he wrote last year. Forget China. It's mm -hmm. America's, uh, go up a little bit. It's America's own economic system that's broken. Okay. So you're American, apparently. Keep going lower. Keep going lower. Keep going lower. Look, look what he says. Uh, the American economic system is, fo is focusing on maximizing shareholder returns, and it's achieving that goal. On Friday, the S&P notched a new all-time high. But average Americans have seen no significant gains in their incomes for four decades. Adjusted for inflation, China's economic system, by contrast, is focused on maximizing China. The government. And it's okay. achieving that goal. Forty years ago, China was still backward and ag agrarian. Today, it's the world's second largest economy, home to the world's biggest auto industry and some of the world's most powerful technology companies. Over the last four decades, hundreds of millions of Chinese people have been lifted out of poverty because of capitalism. capitalism. Because of capitalism. capitalism. That's why. See, you got people like this that are in America that are on the payroll of people from China. Boom. They're on the payroll of people who... Don't love America. This goes back to your earlier This goes point. back to my thing. Man, Here's let me, a little let me money. money from yeah, dude, let me give you some money and buy you, man. If, yep. You know, I had a conference call this week with, uh, on the Dream Team call on Tuesday. And here's what I said. I said, you know what kind of people, when you're, when you're young, and uh, 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 even if I ask you, okay, uh, when you're younger and naive, how can you be bought? So you're a woman. You're attractive. Let's just say you're drop dead attractive. Mm -hmm. How is an 18 year old girl bought by a 32 year old guy? How is she bought? Give me the words. You probably gifts. Have, yeah. <laughs> how do, what, no, outside of gifts, how do you do it? You're at Estee Lauder. You're at the uh, a counter of uh, Foot Locker. Girls working there. I'll Beautiful. Take care of you. That's it. What do I'll you take say? Take care of you. What what lines? Give you're me not, some. Of the to, I'm not gonna. I'm not, not gonna give you all my lines, Pat. Why, 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 why are you working here? Well, you don't have to work here anymore. Yeah. You don't have to work, work anymore. anymore. Oh my gosh, Why you're would so a gorgeous beautiful. Girl like By the way, not that yeah. I know that. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm just <laughs> Well, the one thing about all of us here is uh, the two of us, we've only kissed like one that. girl in our lives. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're Christians. So we're, yeah, so, but the line one is. Girl, he's got three but, 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 but,
You know, I didn't say it that loud. But right? you did say it. I got it right. With, I got it right now with Sheena. I got my life right. Happy uh, birthday, Sheena. We love you, baby. You got my life right. Thank you, Sheena. Happy birthday, Sheena. Oh, that was just. I That was a good shot. Yeah, that was a good shot. But it was so low. Yeah, it was. But what's what's the line? Do you think about it? Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Let me ask you. Does your man take care of you? Man, if I had somebody like you, I'd be focused on you 24/7. What does he do? He must take care of his car more. Does he focus on his body more? I'd be focused on your body more. This kind of stuff. If I was ready to go, this kind of stuff. If I was your man, this this kind of stuff you say, right? If I were you, I would do this to you. You know? Okay. If I was your man. Okay. So the 18 year old's like, oh my gosh, I want to be with this guy, and then you fall for it, right? Okay. As you age, you know, and a couple people screw you over, okay, men and women, yeah. you learn what kind of women you don't want to be with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women realize what kind of men they don't no want to be with. with. Right. So, and then when another person uses that same script and you fall for it, you're a qualified moron, yes, right. okay, Same. because that script's been used on you in the past before, right? And women use that line as well. You know, man, if you were my man, every time you woke up in the morning, I wouldn't let you leave the house. You know, all this I've stuff. Heard that this is, I, I've heard this line. Fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. No, no, no. The way you say this, you, you, you've heard my line before. It says, uh, fool me once. Uh, and then if you fool me, uh, t- uh, if, if you, well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be fooled again. <laughs> Have you heard that J. Cole song <laughs> no. where he uses that? Oh, my God. It's amazing. Is it, in the middle of a hip hop rap song. Yeah. He plays that. Uh, That's it, really. Fool me once. Fool me. You can't can't be fooled again. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I mean, listen, that's why he got reelected because people just liked him. So going back to this, going back to this as you age, if you can be bought by money and compliments, Mm -hmm. there's character flaws there. Be cheap, man. If you can be bought, if loyalty can be bought through money and compliments. Yep. And here's what I mean by compliments, flattery. If you are so desperate for flattery and compliments, that's a stranger or somebody you don't have a deep relationship with can come and tell you how special you are and you, they butter you up and you fall for it, there's deep insecurities in you that needs to be addressed, okay? If somebody says, oh my gosh, let me tell you. And by the way, and, and I'm talking pure flattery from somebody that mm-hmm. is, doesn't have a long-term relationship with yeah. you. Yep. That's not done anything yep. with you. That's not experienced yep. anything with yep. you, but they tell you something like how yep. special you are, how amazing you are, right? PBD, I get that in the insurance industry. I get guys in insurance. Hey, why, why, why didn't you come work with us? We yep. have a hundred percent contract, one hundred twenty-five percent. We'll give you leave. Da, 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 all this. You know, Patrick doesn't know what he's doing. He, uh, you'll have much much better life over here. Much much easier for you. you don't have to work so hard. I get that all the time. Yeah, all the time. And our guys get it all the time. Yeah, but but yeah, that, that's just everything. So, yeah. how do we get to this message here, Robert Reich? Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. If another country wants to buy you today, how do they buy you? I mean, you saw how some people try to buy yeah. us with $600,000. Hey, come do this and come do that. Yeah. And by the way, please understand this. I am not saying, hey, if a person sells their business, you are, uh, uh, what do you call it? You are a, uh, because we just had a conversation with a guy yesterday that sold his business. So you are a uh, uh, sellout. No, you're, you're, you're build, you build a business, somebody wants to buy it. You have an exit strategy. I'm talking about if somebody, an enemy of mine called me. Perfect example. I got a call from one of my enemies, and he and I talked. 
That's the only person in the world who says that sentence. I got a call from one of my enemies. Yeah, and and we talked. Right. And we spoke. Let me rephrase it. A competitor might call. Okay, gotcha. Okay. I I know what you were saying. And we talked, right? And we talked. And we had an hour and a half conversation together, right? That's another line you'll never get. Yeah. And he calls me, and we're having a conversation together. This person knows my position, and he knows who I am, and he knows how my position is with him. But he calls me. Every once in a while, he'll call me. And he calls me, and this one day we had a very good conversation together. And he had some uh, 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 things he was sharing with me that he was frustrated with. So for me, I naturally will give counsel. I don't give counsel based on uh, 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 manipulation. I don't give counsel based on uh, uh, you know trying to brainwash you to hurt you. I'm going to give the counsel to you because that's how I win my loyalty. Even if you're my enemy, till today, I have the darkest secrets about people who have screwed me over that no one knows about. Mm. Darkest secrets about people who screwed me over that I'm not telling anybody about. My wife doesn't know about this stuff. My wife doesn't know about the darkest secret I know about people. That I do. But if I know something about my wife's, my wife needs to know because if it's, it has to do with my wife. But if I know something, you're, you're con- mm-hmm. confiding in me and you're telling yeah. me, Pal, let me tell you what happened with me and XYZ. I'm keeping it because I want that reputation to be, here's how Pat is, if this happens with them, right? He calls me. And he says, well, you know, in the industry, this is what's happening. People are leaving and people are going here and people are going there. And, this, uh, you know, and what do we do to you know, get people locked in? I said, here's, here's what I do now. I said, if you take care of your people genuinely, you genuinely yeah. take care of your people and they leave you, one, it's a character issue. Two, you never had them in the first place. It's that simple. Okay? It, it, you never had yeah. them in the first place yep. and it's their loss. Yep. I said, but if you do you right, you treat people right, you go out there and deliver on your promises to the best of your abilities. Eventually, you build a reputation of marketplace. And guess what people who are mature say? Marketplace is not filled with people that keep their word. Marketplace yeah. is filled with a lot of people that are flattery. Yeah. Marketplace is filled with a lot of people that are entertaining. Yeah. Marketplace is filled with a lot of people that tend to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. But the marketplace is not filled with people that keep their word. Yeah. Right. If you find somebody that does that, you lock on to yeah. them, right? People like him are for sale. Yeah. People like him, you have to be very careful with because uh, uh, you're going after bashing an entrepreneur for what? This guy's created jobs. He's yeah. put all these things on the line. The it's guy's got five kids. He's spending more time creating his businesses that's making the world a better place, and you're upset about it. Now, listen, I'm not sitting here saying Elon Musk is Jesus. I'm not sitting here yeah. saying Jeff Bezos is – I know Jeff Bezos is power plays and what he's trying to do and all this other stuff, and I know where this guy's at. He's got these crazy imagination, things that he wants to do. But he has made the world a better place. How has Robert Reich made the world a better place? And Elon, right. And Elon Musk is right to call him a moron. You know why? Because Robert Reich's never ran a business. He's never created an invention. He's never ran three, four businesses all at the same time. Simultaneously. Right? So, yeah. so he's right to call him a moron because he's never been in the trenches of an entrepreneur. Robert Reich represented an organization that told Elon Musk it'll take uh, 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 $13 billion, No, what is it? It'll take $6 billion. What was the number, Kai? $6 billion in 13 years to go in space. And that was NASA. And Elon Musk did it in six years with less than a billion (laughs) dollars. So your organization cost God knows how many more times versus Elon Musk's did. So Elon Musk saves money. You cost people money. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And and again, I think it's important for people to realize when a guy like Elon, when when the job creators, like here's what I said the other day. I sent out a tweet. Kai, I don't know if you can go on my Twitter profile. If you can get there fast, try. If you can, I'll just read it off here. Here's what I said. Kai's it, here. Okay, I got to say, Kai is, is on fire today. Spelling everything correctly, pulling everything oh, off. Okay, there you go. That was Much pretty quick. Right there, right there. I said, uh, uh, job creators, I favor were politicians. 
One risks everything to start a business and which helps create jobs for others. The other wakes up every morning finding a way to hold job creators hostage by threatening them with new regulations. I choose job creators 10 out of 10 times. Exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. And I feel bad when job creators are bullied. I don't like yeah. when job creators are bullied. I don't like when entrepreneurs are being bullied. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like when that's taking place. And I think sometimes these politicians throw their weight around just because you can go make somebody's life a living hell with regulations. I think sometimes we've got to protect our entrepreneurs. Oh, we're at 2119. We've never been at 2119. Hey, it's very cool. If you're awesome. enjoying the, the podcast, put a thumbs up and share this podcast. We're coming to the tail end of it. I think we got 14 minutes here before we wrap up uh, our 10 o'clock. I know you got to fly that uh, 12 o'clock yourself as well. But let's see. What he also needs a favor from you, Pat. Yeah, so I we might have to wrap up at 959. <laughs> uh, let's see it's what we got here. Oh, let's, let's, uh, uh, which one do you guys want to hit up? You want to hit up Citigroup, new female CEO? Yeah, you want to hit up Board should. Challenge, U.S. Sure, firm, black uh, directors, Both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Germany putting pressure on Russia, or hacking in election, Russia, Iran? Let's go to the board challenges. You want to go to the board challenges? Let's go to the board challenges. Those two stories. All right, so let's go to the board challenges first, and then we'll go to the Citigroup. So, board challenge. U.S. firms add a black director to board within 12 months. 9% of Fortune 500 companies, board members are black. Let me say that one more time. Nine, only 9% of Fortune 500 companies, board members are black. 66% of Fortune 500 board members are white. 18% of Fortune 500 board members are white women. Statistically, 72% of directors have previously board experience and half are current or ex-CEOs per Hydric and Struggle. So 9% of board members are black, Fortune 500 companies, 66% are white men, and 18% are white women. What do you have to say about this? You know, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm looking up here the percentage. The, the, the black population in America is 13.4%. Yep. Mm -hmm. so there's, a, there's a large percentage there that uh, that is not addressed in corporate America. You look at 9% of Fortune 500. We're yep. only looking at 500 companies. And when, when you're looking at this, you know, uh, one of the, you speak about job creators, because of the business we've created here at PBD, I've been able to reinvest my money. My wife and I have been able to reinvest our money into other job creators. And we've created uh, an investment in a company that's a fast growing whiskey company right now in America, mm, ran yeah. by a black woman. And it's the only multicultural board in the liquor industry that is run by a multicultural board. And so when, when, when we're looking at these things and, and, and saying, you know what? There, I, you know, I can't say, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. The only thing I can say, listen, we, we, we need to take charge on our own and control what we can control and you know, call this out where it needs to be called out and address the things that need, need to address. But at the same time, the challenge also is within us. Let's us create the businesses. To, let's create us the, the next Fortune 500 companies. So therefore, we can import, uh, appoint our boards. And you know, I know it's going to take a minute. But, uh, you know, that's why podcasts like this exist. That's why the information and the awareness needs to, 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 to create. But I think corporate America can do a lot better. Uh, but you're looking at two uh, multicultural guys here with no college degrees creating a company. Um, that's our answer, you know. Awesome. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's how we go about our business. That's how we handle it. Adam, Adam, what do you say about that? You know, instinctually, just how I am when I see only 9% of uh, Fortune 500 board members are black. I said, this is fucking ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> we got to do better than this. Like, that's what I have in my heart. But I've realized, don't just jump to conclusions. Yeah. Start looking at some numbers. Matt brought up a great stat. 13% of America is black. Okay. 17% uh, Latino. 61% white. 5% um, Asian. 2% uh, 
multicultural, multi-racial, uh, mm -hmm. 1% Indian. A lot of uh, amazing Filipino people here as well. I don't know where they're, yeah. uh, where they're, where they're at. <laughs> they're rising up. They're, so uh, they're rising up. So they're in the hospitals. Instinctually, what's my point? Instinctually, <laughs> I'm thinking one. we got to do better. We got to do better. So I guess my answer would be we need to do at least 4% better. We need to at least mirror what's in the population. So two points here. Number one, I'm all for hiring the best person for, for the, the job. job. Correct. Right? So like I know that we've talked about when Biden sort of uh, – pigeonholed himself where he's like, I'm going to select a black female. Okay. Respect. I feel you on that. I'm good with that. But is that the best person for the job? So I'm sort of conflicted. I want you to hire the best person for the job, but at the same time, I I'm all for giving people a shot. So there's been many years where I'm sure that it was way less than 9% that African Americans were on the board of a 500, uh, fortune 500 company. I'm sure 10 years ago it was 5%. And I'm sure 25 years ago, it was 2%. So as long as we're doing better and as long as that we're an inclusive society, but as long as it's still the best person for the job. Okay, so, so I got some data for you. Yeah. How about that? Is that okay with you if we do some data? I like sure. data. Okay, I got data for you. Here's my data for you. I understand what both of you guys are saying, and I'm with you. But here's what I did. Um, I went online and I got the following percentage. So the a percentage you got is what percentage of Americans are African-American, mm -hmm. which is 13.4%. Right. What percentage are Latinos? 18.5%. And then what percentage are white? Population-wise, there's roughly 42 million African-Americans in America. There's roughly 52 million Hispanics. And there's roughly 234 million whites. So let's do whites and blacks, specifically because we're not talking Hispanics here. So there's total... 234 million whites in America, 41 million, 42 million blacks in America, okay? Right. Whites, blacks, per, uh, uh, population total. Then when I pull up the data here from uh, the government, nces.ed.gov, it says degrees conferred by race and ethnicity. Oh, so check this out. This is, okay, so this is pretty interesting. Yeah, right so here. now you go to bachelor's degree for whites, uh, uh, for whites, Percentage-wise versus uh, blacks, what degree, uh, what percentage get degrees? Right, uh, 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 total population in America, uh, 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 whites, uh, 1.21 million uh, is uh, the degree, college, uh, college degree. Yeah, this is during that year. Uh, blacks was 192,000. Wow. Okay, for wow. that specific academic year. So, so whites 10%. to blacks was six plus times more. By the way, Latinos got more bachelor degrees than African Americans. Latinos was 217,000 versus African Americans 192,000, which is not a big deal it's because there are more Latinos than Hispanic than African Americans. So that part makes sense. Look, what are the Asian numbers? Does it show the that? Asian numbers. Those numbers are usually uh, off the chain. The Asian numbers are not Asian numbers right there. 133,000 actually lower than Latinos and Blacks, Black. but the population of Asians is right, not that big. Lower, right. Yeah. So, so look, here's where I'm going with this. Here's yeah. where I'm going with this. If you want to be in the board of a Fortune 500 company, what do most board members have in common? They have degrees, mm -hmm. and they went to fancy schools, yeah, sure. and they have experience. I'm not on a Fortune 500 company board, yeah. and I don't have a four-year degree. I don't have a two-year degree. So it has also a lot to do with hiring qualified people mm -hmm. that go and get degrees. If you want to be on a board, you got to hire a qualified person. Go be on a board that has to do with uh, uh, having the right education. Mm -hmm. Sheena sits on our chairman of the board, right? right. Your wife is a chairman right. of the board of the field. Right.
prior to you guys getting married, what was Sheena? She was a salesperson for a striker, and she got a college degree at University of Pitt. University of Pitt. Yeah. And she, she was a softball player. She yeah. played pro. She got sure. full-ride scholarship. She was yeah. a rock star, right? right? But she's got a degree from University of Pitt. Right. And she's half Every white, white half, half black, black, and she's the chairman of the board. We, and so you have a black single mother, you know, but has a degree that brings value. We, sure. She's the chairman of the right. board. It's not just anybody. So I think these numbers are, obviously, you sit there and say, well, we have to, because it's 13.4%. We have to have 13.4% of all the board members being black. You can't say that. It's got to be the percentage being made based on how many are getting degrees that are getting results. It's not just about color. You know, at our home office, if somebody comes here, they would say we discriminate. Why do we discriminate? We have more black workers here than For any sure. other ethnicity. Somebody could say we discriminate. Somebody could say, well, Pat, you're racist against, against white people. You have more blacks than whites here. It's not about that. I it's, feel very uncomfortable. I'm the only white person that's going on right now. <laughs> right, right. But when, I, when you look joking, at the environment, obviously. all I'm saying to <laughs> you is, baby. all I'm saying to you is, in many circumstances, I do agree. Nike has to have black board members on there because mm -hmm. their product, and it's, yeah. it, their products are athletes, yes. NFL, NBA. Yes, sure. that does make sense. But they also have to have soccer because now they're getting more into the soccer side. Yeah. I think Adidas needs to get uh, 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 Kanye West on there. Yeah. I do agree with that. And if he bought Gap, he needs to be on there as well. There needs to be an element of that, that uh, there needs to be some cleaning up to do. But I don't think it's as crazy and as astronomically right. Oh my gosh, America's a racist nation. They don't want any black board members. I don't agree with that either. I'm just I'm curious, sure. how much of the, those college degrees are actually from Ivy League schools that are board members? I wonder if the, what the potential breakdown of that. Because well, you know, if you went to XYZ, Texas A&M versus Harvard, does that, ha does that have any play? Depends on the state. Depends on the state. So if a company is a Texas uh, uh, company, they're going to want Texas universities to be there. It's a lot of pride in Texas. Yeah. They want Texas universities to be there. But uh, 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 if you look at private equity, for example, the private equity world, yeah. you saw yesterday yeah. when you and I and Ian, Ian were having a meeting together, all the private equity guys right now we're dealing with, there are Ivy League. All yeah. of them are Ivy League. The all of them. The golden ticket, he said. Yeah, it's the golden. You get, you get an Ivy League degree. You go become a private equity guy. You do deals with private equity guys, are from Ivy. You're making your 2 to $10 million your income. Crazy. In Dart private myth. equity. Yeah. Dartmouth, you know. You but know, if, you went to a, if you went to an elite school yeah. like me, Glendale Community <laughs> College. <laughs> big time. Big time. Okay, so I want to tell you guys, when you go to Glendale Community College and you have the kind of uh, uh, letters that GCC. I got, letters of acceptance. Yeah. When I got my letter of acceptance from GCC, I mean, it was <laughs> celebration. We went to Sizzlers. <laughs> we <laughs> celebrated. With Ponderosa, BK job, man, baby. it was celebration time when I got my letter of acceptance from GCC. Yeah, an so now let's talk about Citigroup because I'm assuming yeah. you got something mm -hmm. to say about our friend here at Citigroup. Citigroup's new female CEO, first woman CEO of big oh, well, Wall Street, Street Bank. Bank, Wall Street giant City, announced Thursday that its CEO Michael Corbett will retire. After an eight-year tenure at C as CEO, he'll be replaced by Jane Fraser. Where'd she go to school? Okay, put up Kai. I got it. Yeah, she went to oh. Harvard. <laughs> No kidding. She went to. Uh, she was just talking about. She worked for Goldman that. for a while. She yeah. worked for uh, McKinsey. Is that the consulting group? The biggest one. Right. Yeah. So she has pedigree and she has a track record. So it's good for her. This woman, Jane Frazier, uh, is a certified G. And um, this is this is not a small story, by the way. You may think of the major banks in America. This is the first female CEO ever. Yeah. Ever of a major Wall Street bank, bank. Jane Frazier. So uh, this is historic. I think she. I think this is a um, yeah. a wonderful 
role model for women. I don't yeah. have daughters. I know that you have a daughter. I yep. know that you have daughters. Yes. Um, yes. I think if they want to be entrepreneurs and they want to be in the business sure. world and they want to succeed, they're going to maybe say, yeah. well, what CEOs have run major banks? Yeah. Well, Take a look at Jane over here. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, in addition, I have Pamela Yellen, with the fa Pamela Yellen, the former, you know, Federal Reserve you know, chairman too as well. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you're looking at this stat, you know, uh, I remember the, um, there was a study 2010 that 60% of all wealth in America shifted into the control of women hmm. in 2010. Yeah. I was doing seminars and doing seminars about that. And it's funny that some guys said, well, shoot, my, when I got married, the sh my wealth in my house shifted into in 1995 <laughs> 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 in 2010. But more, more women today are graduating college than men. More, more women today are in politics. More women today, nonprofit, for-profit organizations, running executive directors of, of companies, CEOs of companies. Uh, but to see finally now a woman lead a bank, the mm -hmm. breaking the good old boy circle, and now a woman has uh, you know, has influence. And because listen, in, in my house, PBD, in, in your house, I know you have very stringent conversation with with, with um, Jennifer about money. But in the clients that we serve, uh, you, know, you know, a good majority of the conversation of, uh, of kitchen table conversations is, I'm the man of the house. I'm the man of the house, right, babe? As it relates to money, right? Uh, I make financial decisions, right, babe? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, your wife is CIO of PHP. VP of operations. Yeah. Yeah. VP, VP of operations. operations. Yes. Your wife is chairman, chairwoman yeah, board of the board. You guys are married to certified G's. So uh, it's, you know, the ladies are getting their. their I will tell you this. Uh, I, I am very surprised. This this is the first woman CEO yeah. of Wall Street. I'm very surprised by the fact that because women get the degrees. Women go uh, uh, get yeah. educated. You know, women take education very seriously. So I'm surprised yeah. that part's not taking place yet. But congratulations to Jane. Uh, 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 shout out to her for doing what she does. By the way. For those of you guys that are watching this uh, today's podcast, a couple things. We're coming to the end here. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, please do so. Put that alert button as well. Click on that as well and put a thumbs up. And if you enjoyed our brother here, Matt Sapala, that joined us, uh, Kai, if you can put his channel, oh, Seven you, Figure Squad, Jeez. in the comment thank section, you, you can. Uh, Matt's got his own channel as well. Mario's already done it. Oh, uh, Mario, do it again if you can for people. You can go follow thank Matt, you. Matt's content. Thank you. Uh, we'll put his Instagram account. Matt's one of the coolest cats you'll ever meet in <laughs> your life. The coolest, the uh, Hands down, one of the coolest cats you'll ever meet in your life. But if you do hang out with him, I do want to prepare you. You will have a cigar if you hang out with him. There's no <laughs> yeah, question yeah. about or that. Or two. Yeah. Or two. That is true. Or <laughs> two. Shout out to Chamber. Having said that, do we have the dates for the next one yet kai is it going to be next tuesday or wednesday tuesday. is it tuesday next tuesday eight o'clock we'll be back at it again have a great weekend everybody take care bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye